And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. We're heard live weeknights, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. We're simulcast on BTR, that's Blog Talk Radio. And, folks, you can watch us live on YouTube, on our own official YouTube channel. Folks, uh, links to both, uh, well, links to all listening and viewing venues can be found at hagmanandhagman.com. That's our show page. And for articles and for important news items, go to HagmanReport.com. That's HagmanReport.com. And from there, you can also, uh, my corner on the Internet is HomelandSecurityUS.com. So you've got three websites. Bookmark all three, but the flagship uh, listening, uh, listening network is Global Star Radio Network, BTR. Blog Talk Radio, and both accessible via Hagman and Hagman.com. I'm Doug Hagman at the helm, Joe Hagman together. We are the Hagman and Hagman Report, folks. We dig deep into topics that others, other shows won't, don't. Now, um, we had a, I just hope everyone had a great weekend, a great restful weekend. Of course, this is a, quite a, a interesting weekend in and of itself. We had an interesting planetary alignment, the five planets, Mars to Mercury, basically, Jupiter as well this uh, past Sunday, and uh, the Super Bowl on Sunday, also the very interesting, uh, right about an hour after the Super Bowl ended, the North Korean satellite that was launched, passing over the stadium as well. You've got to wonder what's going on, and, and, you know, it's interesting because the powers that be, of course, they use astrology, sacred uh, geometry and numerology to communicate messages and to plan events. And I think we're seeing a confluence of all three coming to pass. So I uh, do, do want everyone to pay very close attention. Now, before we begin our, pro- begin our program, folks, I want to just very proud to mention that uh, portions of tonight's broadcast brought to you by Pro Flowers. You know, I was on their website today, ordered some flowers. Yes, I did. I did. I had some people that in mind, so I ordered some flowers. Used our microphone code Hagman, H-A-G-M-A-N-N. That's right. That's right. Now, you know, <laughs> I ordered some flowers last week for my wife, and, uh, uh, the flowers came and she put them in a vase, put them on our, on our table, and our studio dog lady at home thought they were for her. Got a great picture of that as well. But folks, uh, Valentine's Day is this weekend. It's only six days away if you're tired of guessing what's and guessing wrong on what your special person, the special person in your life wants for Valentine's Day. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got, well, not we, but the pros at proflowers.com. They've got you all set up. And, and via the offer extended to through us to you, ProFlowers is offering our listeners two dozen assorted roses and a free glass vase 
for under 30 bucks. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You can't find that anywhere. I, I don't believe. I mean, locally. You know, I, locally, they're advertising right now 40 bucks a, a dozen. <sighs> Just can't believe it. Go to proflowers.com. Use our code Hagman, H-A-G-M-A-N-N. That's H-A-G-M-A-N-N. You won't be sorry. You can thank us later. Now, uh, tonight we got a very special program for you planned. John Robertson and Flip Benham. Very interesting program. I'm, I'm not going to really delve too deep into the what they're going to be talking about. I'm going to let this, we're going to let this program unfold on its own. And I think you're going to be interestingly, or I think you're going to be riveted, really, in, in, informed and inspired at the very end. And I also want to mention as well, you know, we deal with some great companies. We really do. How about Heaven's Harvest offering HagmanSeeds.com? You know, I just want to mention that uh, we see these events, the planetary alignment, and you think, well, that doesn't mean anything. It might not mean anything to you, but it means things to other people. It's kind of like a calendar. Well, there's so much going on here. I want you to think long-term preparation. Not, I mean, I'm long-term. How about for your children? How about for... Um, I, well, a year or two down the road. Heaven's Harvest. Heaven's Harvest has this immense seed kit. And can you believe this? That, that most people who order these seed kits from Heaven Har- Heaven's Harvest, they're really interested in, they don't, they're not, they're not planning on planting these seeds next month or next year or, you know, within the next, uh, next season, that is. No, no, no. No. They want to storm and plant them later on. This really, what they're offering is a one-time kit for a lifetime of food. We need to get serious, folks. After things I saw this weekend, we saw this weekend, we need to get serious about preparation. Heaven's Harvest. Heaven's Harvest. It's HagmanSeeds.com. Go to HagmanHagman.com, click on the link to Heaven's Harvest for more information. More on that later. But again, folks, look, we need to get really, really serious. Time is short. I really believe that. What we're seeing now, I don't mean to sound uh, down, but I, I think I think we have to start taking preparation seriously. We have to be good stewards. Things are coming up that, that just don't, don't feel right, don't feel good. Talking to a lot of people today that we're taking a kind of a dark turn. I mean, I, 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 we've ta- we have taken the dark turn, but, you know, things are not right. So I'm going to bring Joe on, and Joe can uh, introduce the program and, and the guests tonight. Uh, I, I think, yeah. you know, I, I think maybe... Uh, at some point, we should open with a scripture because I think it's important to do that. But uh... well, we certainly can do that. We got a, uh, a great show lined up uh, for you guys today with John and Flip, Reverend Flip Benham. Both will be speakers at the Hear the Watchman conference coming up March 18th through the 20th in Dallas. American Survival Wholesale is also running a special 
uh, from now through the 14th of February, which is uh, you buy one ticket and you get a companion ticket or an extra ticket uh, with that uh, purchase of the first ticket. It's an excellent offer, and I'd advise everybody to take advantage of it. Um, and we certainly can open up this tonight with a scripture, and I'm searching here to find a a, a fitting one, um, because as the show is very important, uh, Reverend Flip will be joining us along with, as I said, John, our Hollywood insider, John, uh, and we're going to be talking about some heavy things. Um, yeah, here is a. Uh, the earth's heavy. Here is a, a scripture heavy. that is, um, here, we'll do this. I know where we'll go. We're going to go to, and by the way, that doesn't mean that we can't enjoy life or we shouldn't enjoy life and spread happiness and smell the flowers, literally and metaphorically, smell the flowers. Yeah, we have to take the time to enjoy life, otherwise, um, you know, we're really not doing what God called us to do. Not enjoy life in the sense of enjoy the world, but enjoy the thing, the spiritual things in life and the, the things that we are, are, uh, blessed with on a daily basis. You know, before the scripture, well, no, go ahead and open with the scripture. Go ahead. Do that. All right. We are going to start with, um, we're going to start out of, uh, first Peter. Uh, first Peter chapter four. Uh, for so much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for that he hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lavishness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquets, and all abominable idolatries, wherein they think it is strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of, who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh." but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye sober and watch unto prayer, and show above all things that fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Use hospitality uh, hospitality toward one another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards to the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as an oracle of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of with the ability which God hath given, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. All right, well, well thank you very much for that. You know, the uh before we bring our guests on tonight i just want to mention that uh if you did watch the super bowl you know most people say well that was a good game and and understand what we're you know but understand that it was entertainment i didn't watch <laughs> well, you know it's it's the the uh 
the entertainment halftime show. And I just want to insert, insert this before our guests come on because, uh, you know, it, it's people are not getting the fact that um, entertainment has become news. Entertainment has become a system of delivery. Entertainment has become a, a predictive programming uh, by the powers. By the when I say powers, I'm talking about the earthly powers, the the antichristical powers. That's what that's what entertainment has become. So if you want to kind of get a picture into the into the events that are planned, look at the entertainment. Look at what's on television, and of course the most watched event, one of the most watched events, arguably is the Super Bowl, and certainly the Super Bowl halftime show. And now lining up with this, and this is really a, a message. Um, I happen to. Uh, to to listen to uh uh one one guy that really tears up tears into the illuminati uh, uh agenda of course is uh the spaceman from AM640 Toronto Saturday night and he was talking about this Saturday night talking about how this planetary alignment that that uh that took place on yeah. Saturday was uh, was really to usher in war in the king planets and I don't okay. know if you know this, but the uh, planetary alignment went on for almost three weeks. The yeah. culmination of it yeah. was just uh, on the fifth, I believe. Oh, it was on. Uh, it was on the. I believe it was on the eighth. Okay. The, on Sunday, actually. I'm sorry. Today's the eighth. On the seventh. So, now having said all of that, you know, you're looking at a king planet. You're looking at. Um, you turn the dollar bill over. You see the unfinished pyramid. The eye. The eye above the unfinished pyramid. That's the eye of Horus. You know, what does that re- represent? That's the eye of, really, that's the Antichrist, essentially. That's Nimrod, Horus, whatever you want to call it. But, but that is the, the, uh, the figure to, the, the king, and along with that, the, the planetary alignment, the king planet. You have Mercury, which is a messenger, Venus, Mars, Mars, of course, that being the planet of war, Jupiter being the king planet, Saturn, all giving rise now this is in the eyes of the Illuminati. This is in the eyes of the uh, uh, power powers that, that that are the dark forces. This is a, a a message, a kind of a calendar, a bookmark in time for them, and perhaps even a, a starting point. And, and you know, you have to look at this through the or in the context of, and this is so important. What they find important, and that is sacred geometry, astrology. And numerology. Okay, so um, just understand that. And, and, and if you want to get a you know, window into what's taking place, look at the bigger picture. Look at the con- look, look at not just the bigger picture, but the context in which the message is being delivered. And of course, uh, on the gridiron, the field itself, um, you, you had arguably. Um, Oh, I, I don't want to get too heavy into this because I don't want to keep our guests waiting, but arguably you, you've got this display of the racial strife, the black versus white, the white versus black illustration by the, the Super Bowl itself. And I'm not going to get too deep into that. I do intend to uh, to give my analysis in, in, in writing a report here on this, and I think you'll find it pretty interesting. So that's yeah. that's coming. Okay, we'll bring our, our guest on, but I just want to ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, and Eric, you can chime in too. Was the Super Bowl halftime show as um, as dark or as symbolic as as was expected? No, but if you not not overtly, okay. but if you looked, okay, for example, when Madonna came on and 
uh, Katy Perry, the obvious, the overt nature of this. It was in your face. This is what a year or two ago. And, okay. and, and then you had, the, of course, the, what was it, 2014, when the lights went out, then the third quarter. I mean, what, what they can't keep the lights on? You know? <laughs> okay. But, but the, the entertainment, it was overt. Okay. Now, this one yesterday was much more subtle. But it, I, I believe it was powerful. Now, having said that, J.D., J.D., our poster, well, our, uh, J.D., who, from Hagman and Hagman.com, has, has put together a video. Go to our official YouTube channel. Um, you're gonna you're gonna see some interesting things that, that he captured from the uh, halftime show. The possession, the outright possession. Now, once more, I, I just under I just ask that you look at this critically, with with as much intellectual openness as is needed. Just look at this and and analyze this for yourself. Um, and and also check out the CERN video by JD as well. And Anthony Patch will be a guest on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a great lineup, and we'll get into that later. All right, let's uh, go ahead. Let's bring on uh, Hollywood Insider speaker at the soon to be here the Watchman Conference in Dallas, friend of the show, Mr. John Robertson. How's it going, John? Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. And to be honest with you, I'm not a happy camper tonight. I'm, 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 uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm sitting up here in Washington and, uh, you know, people are attacking my friends and, uh, I saw a good man get executed in the snow last week and I'm just not, uh, not a real happy guy right now, you know? So let's get down and dirty and let's talk about, uh, what we need to do and, and let's do this, you know? Um, Mike and Jeannie have been, uh, have been attacked viciously and, and I'm not going to take it, you know? I, I, it, it, we're doing this conference. To bring people to Christ, period, and uh, and I'm done with it. I'm, t- I'm I'm tired of the rhetoric. Really, I really am. We uh, we hear you, John, and we feel your sentiments and and understand. You know the the um, attacks that have been waged, the way that they've been uh, building and uh, continuing. Um, my dad said, you know, when uh, about a month ago that. If this is how the congregation of believers acts normally, he know he sees why the church is in so much trouble. And frankly, and I'll say this again, I'd much rather go back to what I was doing before: interview people, interview inmates at Radic and Rikers, and, and and I've seen more, or I've seen better morality from inmates and I'd much rather interview inmates at Attica walk into the prison hear the doors slam behind you because at least you know you know yeah who you're dealing with all right you know that you're dealing with a bad seed out there okay so and the last thing I'm going to say on this is and please folks just understand what I'm saying I'm not going to get into this I don't want to get into this but perception and I'm not trying to and I'm and please no. understand I'm not trying to drag you into it it's just, it's just right I'm, no no but I'm, I'm, but look, I'm not a happy guy yeah, John, and, and I understand that, but but a lot of people think. You know, I mean, via sound clips and, and other things, they think they they got the whole story. No one knows. No, you don't know the whole story. And if I if I if you didn't know the whole story, oh, trust me, 
No, I so talked why, to Amy on you know, the phone for two hours this morning, and she's, you know, she's crying. I mean, it's, it's uh, enough, you know. All right. Well, John, what are you doing in Washington? I guess that's my that, that, that's the issue here. Let's let's get on with that. <laughs> hey, or, or, well, or should uh, I ask you? Or should I not ask you that? <laughs> no, it's you don't okay. have an answer. Okay. I I, uh, I had a dream uh, about a week and a half ago that my apartment burned down and my cats burned up in the apartment, and it was uh, it was a horrible dream. I woke up screaming, and uh, the Lord told me to get out, so I left. Wow. All right. So. Yeah. Okay. And what I was what I was planning on doing tonight was you know just leveling with you guys honestly what Hollywood really like and then bring Flip on to uh, talk about Nehemiah and Joshua and which we will do. Um. <clears throat> and so I'll so I'll tell you a little bit about what Hollywood's really like. Uh, I've 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 withheld on this show. Okay. I I, I guess I was protecting my job a little bit, but. Uh, it's 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 horrible, guys. It's 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 as bad as people think it is, and worse. Um, and uh, and the last two weeks, I've been running from it. Um, it's as satanic and luciferian as it gets. It's 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 horrible, and I uh, <clears throat> I've been dealing with my own uh, my own uh, countenance uh, for having been part of it. Um, no, you're referring to the Hollywood, right? Correct. And you've uh, not only have you been on our show, <coughs> excuse me, but you were on the uh, Caravan show, Caravan to Midnight, last week. Uh, yeah, yeah, I. Uh, I uh, <laughs> well. So let's talk John, about that a little bit. I'm, yeah, I'm let's talk about. No, you know what? I, I just want to get deep into the hall. You know, I, yeah, you know what? Honest, honestly, Doug, let's do it. Okay. Okay, because people don't get, and folks, this is something I really, you really need to understand. When we talk about things like Hollywood, everyone thinks it's, well, you know. It's it's all entertainment. It's it's innocuous. But let me yeah, tell you something. Let's get some universal truths about Hollywood straightened out. Some some misconceptions. And John, you can correct me when if I'm wrong, and, and add, definitely add to it. One, Satan owns rules and runs all content in Hollywood. Straight up. And yeah, the entertainment up. that Hollywood provides is exclusively and specifically for a spiritual distraction and spiritual devourment of those who watch it's designed, it. It's designed, it, yeah, it's designed to mess up your mind, so you can't, so that, <clears throat> it, it's designed to uh, mess up your morality, period. Uh, that, that's what it does. I mean, that's what we do. You know, John, I just want to I just want to throw some things out there really quick, okay? Go, ahead, go back and you know you go back in time, John. You go back into well Laurel Canyon that we talk about. People roll their eyes, say, "Oh, it's not important." It happened a half a century ago. Well, they Why don't understand. Right, right. You get you get the uh, um, you get things like uh, 
Jim Morrison, whose father was the uh, the guy the the um, Gulf of Tonkin boat uh, admiral, uh, the Admiral Morrison, who's yeah, on the that, that's correct. You, you know, uh, and, and you find in the in the Laurel Canyon of singers and and actors and and actresses and and music people and movie people this this interesting dynamic in Laurel, inside Laurel Canyon where everybody is connected to the to the military industrial complex and everyone thinks it's an accident the woods you know Woodstock um, no it's you know, not it's, it's, you know, it's not, not. so it's, you go go it's for the it way that's right. right so go for it Let, let's 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 start hitting, <laughs> some, knocking some heads here well, with well, information well, first of all first of all I want to state this okay first of all I want to state this stop picking on my friends period I'm not talking to you and Joe I'm just saying in general all right Mike and Jeannie have put, uh, seriously, a house payment down to make this Hear the Watchmen thing happen. Stop messing with them. It's hurting them, okay? I mean, enough's enough. I've, I've, I've had it. I've had it. Um, you know, I'm on the inside of this thing, and they, they, they are trying to do something that they believe is right, and I believe it's right, too. And, uh, and this, 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 this crap coming from the Nathan Leal camp and the uh, the Benjamin Baruch camp. Benjamin Baruch, what a joke! But seriously, it, it's it's hurting them. And enough's enough. I mean, I, I just want to say that first and foremost. Um, here, the Watchmen's going to happen. People are going to get saved. It's going to be a good thing. And I, I just just please stop messing with my friends. All right. That's that's number one. Number two is. Uh, <clears throat> You know, I started participating on your show uh, a couple of years ago because I I felt like I had something that I could offer, you know. Um, and uh, and then as it grew, um, I realized I did have something to offer. And this this Hollywood thing it's 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 designed to cheat you. It cheats you, okay? It makes you think one thing and shows you another. Just don't participate anymore. Period. Just walk away, you know. Um, let's do this. Ask me whatever questions you want. I'll answer them as honestly. I'll answer them as honestly as I can. Well, John, what's the most important thing? Speaking of Hollywood, okay, if you had just one paragraph to tell people, I'm sorry for popping my piece here, if you had one paragraph, no, the, you know, one statement to make about Hollywood, what you've seen on the inside, and again, to people, yeah. it perception becomes reality. Entertainment is the, what would you say, is the vehicle to serve up the predictive programming for the masses. But I, I guess... um what what are people not seeing that we need to tell people that man this is you know this is lucifer this is rotten to its core how would you describe that and where should people look okay um the international banks finance it and the cia runs it there you go that's how it works okay and this is why we see the the uh, the CIA, you know, okaying certain movies and in other instances giving information uh, to directors on how to make certain movies, especially the sci-fi, uh, you know, transhumanist type movies that we see. Uh, they're all run through intelligence agencies, 
and, and you know the CIA recently got in trouble for giving too much information uh, in certain instances when dealing with giving director information for move for a movie. Well, well, speaking of that, John, what about like the X Files? What about Lucifer? Uh, you know, what about the production yeah. of of those? I mean, what in the world okay, are so we I, seeing? So I- Go ahead. All right, so I know I, I know him. I, I, I know Lynn Wiseman. All right. Um, <clears throat> I, 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 I can't even believe what's happening these days, guys. Really, I mean, it's it's. I'm 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 grateful to be up in Washington right now because I can't stand LA. Um, Lucifer is a uh, is a it's, it's going to be a huge hit show. Okay, it's gonna, it's it's, it's going to hit hard, and. Um, <clears throat> and basically, the idea is, you know, the devil is now your friend, and that's that's uh, you know <laughs> that's the that's the idea of the show. And I know the well, guy that uh, created it. Um, well, 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 okay, uh, here we have uh, the you know the, the the top angel, if you will, the top uh, de- well devil, uh, you know, Lucifer, running around in Los Angeles, the city of angels. Um, yeah, and he's, what, he's a good-looking guy, and you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Good, good, bad is good. Bad is acceptable. Uh, in fact, bad is coveted. You know, nefarious deeds are coveted at this point, and, and, and made virtuous, as opposed to, I, I mean, down is up. Everything is the duality of, of, of evil is is really you know in focus here. So, what what was the intent? Since you know the. Who, who is he? The producer or the creator or no, the he's writer? Created, yeah, he's the, the writer director, Lynn Wiseman. Okay. So, so what's his? What was he? What's he trying to accomplish? If I mean, if you know him, you, you know what's he trying to accomplish? Well, that that's where it gets tough. That's where it gets sticky. Um, he's Jewish. Okay, so. Uh, um, it's weird. Every 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 time I read the Bible, I look at Hollywood and I and I, I just I roll my eyes. You know, um, what's happening is this. This is the bottom line. Hollywood is working overtime right now. I mean, overtime to prep people's minds for what's coming. Period. That's what's happening. And uh, and I just I just feel really. Uh, I feel really regretful that I was part of it, Doug. Well, well, John, I, I think you know you've extracted yourself and, and deliberately extracted yourself. Obviously, you sound you know we're getting emails asking if you're all right. You know, you sound you sound depressed and deep and dark and yeah. I mean, it's um, it, it is something, but uh, um, you know, it's something that, we, that we're wrestling with. Everyone's wrestling with this this inky, cloudy, oily. Dirtiness that, that's really over all of the world here. It's getting deeper and darker and more oily, dirty, slippery. The viscosity of darkness is, is increasing. So I guess, you know, obviously you chose to leave, but why did you, why at this point, you know, I, I, I well, let me back up and say, Go I don't ahead. think, I, I just don't think, John, I, I don't think that you can beat yourself up over, something that you had done you know you've been doing uh you know you were so embedded in in the hollywood uh you know workforce i, I just i don't so so i mean I, I would i would i would say that you you now knowing you know that that you finished your assignment there in hollywood 
Um, don't you feel now that you're you're better equipped to fight the evil? Yeah, but to be honest with you, I'm afraid. You know, I uh, <clears throat> I mean, you know, I've got look, I've got a GED from high school. Okay, I don't, I don't, I'm not a well educated person, but I broke into Hollywood. You know, it's not easy to do, and I did it. And uh, and uh, and when I look at things like what's happened in the last couple of weeks. I mean, this, you understand, Doug, this Finnicum thing's a big deal, right? I mean, I talked to Chance, uh, what, three, four days ago. Sure. He had 200 phone calls from veterans. People are pissed. Excuse my language, but they're mad. All right. Um, yeah, we're angry too. Okay. Let's, okay, let's talk about Lavoy Finnegan. Let's talk about the situation there because, again, yeah, look, just like everything else, yeah. you, you know what, John? Like everything else, okay, perception becomes reality, yeah. and and people don't know the whole story. They go on half stories. Oh, I think I know it. Oh, you know, I heard everything. I, I'm watching this right here. I know it because I'm watching. I, you know, my my eyes are not lying to me. But yet, see, just enough information. Well, give me your analysis first, and then I'll tell you mine. Bottom line, I mean, Joe and I have been talking about this uh, different shows with respect to the to the whole. There, there, we we have to look at this two different ways, or there's two different situations here: the motive and and the event in Oregon when when the uh, when the Patriots took over the federal land building there. That, that's that's separate from the murder and execution of Lavoy Finnegan, as well as the second. Uh, burning uh, of a, of a man uh, on the periphery of this of this uh, situation. So there's you, you have to look at this in two different like two different events, if you will. Okay. Right. So now Lavoy Finnicum, by all standards, if you look at the if you watch him on the on YouTube, watch him and on the various videos he did, read what he's written, read what other people have written about him. Stand up guy. All right. Straight you up. watch. You know. Right. You watch the video. You could tell that something happened. All right, you're not. We're not getting the entire. I mean, we, we're seeing. Uh, we're seeing the video, but we're not getting the entire context in which that video is presented. It's anyone can, uh, you know, from us taking videos to uh, to us analyzing videos in our capacities of investigators. You can actually go off the rails and perceive something in one way when it's not. You know, but anyway, it was presented poorly, I believe, by the um, uh, within the media and even some of the alternative media. So I think the FBI would well, release something well, let me that self damage. Let me ask you this: what's your what's your take on the uh, FBI releasing that video so quickly? I mean, that doesn't make well, sense. Well, well, no, they're not going to they're not going to release anything that's going to you know. Uh, damn them or you know put them in a position to have to really explain everything. Right. The yeah. video release was, uh, I would say. Uh, as as my dad said last week, was more of a warning to people because we know that there. Were, I'm sure if the police weren't wearing you know body cameras with audio, there were dash cameras. Uh, they had the checkpoint set up, so you know that there was other monitoring of close range. And I would be surprised if there wasn't video and audio uh, of a personal type of interaction uh, that happened, which they'll refuse to show. And they show the drone video because it was a plane, actually. A plane. Okay. Yeah. They show the the video from the air 
uh, one, because there's no sound, and two, because that bird's eye view does not tell the whole true story of what happened. Uh, there is room for doubt there. Uh, and from my opinion, and, and uh, watching that video and analyzing it, the uh, hands were up in the air. They came down with a loss of balance and a shot to the uh, stomach or abdomen. And yeah, that's right. Well, you know what? I, here's what I find disingenuous: the the people, many, many well, the majority on the progressive side, uh, will will say, "We'll look at the videos from the Center for Medical Progress, the abortion videos, the Planned Parenthood videos, whatever, however you know them as." And they'll say, "Oh, well, it doesn't tell the whole story. It was edited. It's BS." On and on and on, and objection, you know, objection, and prosecute the very people who are trying to expose the corruption. Yet those people will look at this video with a level of of certainty and say, "See, he was reaching for a gun. See, uh, you know, and all that's, this that's, BS." You and I both know that's BS. That's BS, right. straight up. Okay. Right. He got he got hit. That's what happened. He got right. hit. I mean, he was either hit with a taser or a, or a bullet, and he got hit. And um, and I'm telling you guys right now. I mean, you know, I get uh, uh, you know, I, I I get communiques from you know HH connections people, and uh, and Chance does too. And um, people aren't happy. There's going to be blowback, and that's 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 the thing that worries me the most is that. Uh, <clears throat> What know. kind of blowback, John? Sense. John, I mean, uh, here, here's what I think the blowback is going to be very quickly. The blowback is going to be you're going to see another um, Oklahoma City-style event take place, have it be blamed, just like uh, Oklahoma City was blamed on Waco and Ruby Ridge. You're going to see it blamed uh, on, uh, you know, the the execution of Lavoie Finnegan. And, and then, right. uh, you know, it, so is that what kind of blowback you're expecting, or are you expecting something different? No, I'm afraid that's what I'm expecting. And, um, look, I want to be measured, measured with my words here. This will not go unanswered. I'll put it that way, okay? Um, there are a lot of, I talk to vets every day. So does Chance. So do Mike and Jeannie for that matter. Um, people are unhappy. And this, this thing does not make sense. You know, it, it, it just, it just doesn't make sense. Why, why, what? Have you, Doug, have you ever known the FBI to release a video, uh, what, 48 hours after the fact? I mean, come on. You know, they don't do that. And, uh, and, and I'm up here in Washington right now. I mean, people up here are not happy. You know? Well, yeah, I, I fully understand why. And of course, you know, we're looking at a, and, and folks, we're going to have uh, constitutional attorney Chris Ann Hall come on here at some point to discuss this uh, even further, at least the constitutional nature of what happened in Oregon. And, and she, I mean, she travels around the country teaching about the Constitution. So from a con- constitutional perspective, you're, you're, we're arranging the, the uh, date and time, day, date, and time for her to come on. So I just I can't wait for that. But, John, you're right. I mean, this is horrible in terms of the, uh, number one, how it's how it's being portrayed and I think it's a PR nightmare um, right now for the Patriots, but I, I, I do believe it will be or has the potential to be a PR nightmare for the uh, uh, government agents, including but not limited to the FBI. It has that potential. So you know the, the best the best defense, uh, John, is good offense. That's why re- they release the video. 
That's my that's my view. Uh, I just want to give you a heads up. Uh, Flip Benham is ready to go. If you whenever you want to bring him on, John, or whenever we should bring him on, you let me know. Yeah, let's let, let's go ahead and bring Flip on. All right, Joe, go ahead. All right, uh, Reverend Flip yeah. Benham is our guest, along with John uh, Robertson. Reverend uh, Benham will be also a speaker here at the Watchman Conference. And he has been a previous guest on the show. Uh, Reverend Benham, it's great to have you back on. Well, it's great to be back with you, uh, Joe and Doug. Thank you so much for having me. And, and John, um, you're sounding really discouraged to me, brother. I, I haven't heard you like this before. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. But thank you for being with us tonight. You know. Well, you know, I, I just come into sort of like the middle of this 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 conversation because I just got back from the city hall in Charlotte, where we're dealing with a transgender bathroom bill that seems to be invading every city in this country. And we just did a press conference, and and uh, and we had just uh, lots of men of God, a number of them in the city of Charlotte, standing strong for Jesus, trying to. <laughs> Repair in a lot of ways this wall, which will never be repaired until we get to total repentance. But believe me, the enemy is coming in like a flood, but God is raising up a standard to come against him. And, and that's the encouragement that we have. When I saw, I listened to Doug talking about the Super Bowl, and, and man, I was just totally, I, I just could not believe that, that. And I think Rush Limbaugh mentioned this today, that the, the beginning of the Super Bowl, they had the flyby, the flyover with the, with the Blue Angels and they Blue Angels, and they had the Star Spangled Banner, and they had, you know, even though Lady Gaga sang the song, she has a really good voice. That's the first time I think I've ever heard her voice, but she she sang it well, and she sang it reverently. That was the first part. When you get into halftime, all of a sudden everything changes, and you get this uh, believe in love with all the rainbow colors around that stadium, and it was just like an open door to homosexuality, and just like the White House was lit up in the rainbow colors, uh, you know, after that uh, June 24th or 25th decision on Bergefell versus Hodges. And, and it's just like you see the enemy coming in like a flood. You have all sorts of things going on externally and all sorts of things going on internally. That is in the church. And, and, we are, and, and, and those that are the true light of the world, those of the invisible church, the ones that are truly born again, their sins are forgiven and that they are called to be warriors for our king those people are suffering under this this great spiritual it's sort of like a blue funk of uh, of a cloud that's coming over everyone just discouraging each and every one of us saying it's not going to work out believe me uh, there are times in the Old Testament and in the New Testament where the disillusionment is so huge and, and the things seem so impossible that there's nothing that can fix it except there is Almighty God. And, and uh, when you look through the history, you'll see this great battle raging. And it's going on. And sometimes the church seems to be winning, and then at other times it seems like the devil and his crew are winning. It's the battle between two seats. This this battle that we're fighting right now, and as you look at America right now, you're seeing things go so far downhill, you wonder, is there any way out? And the answer is yes. And the answer is Jesus. And the answer is that this battle is not ours. 
but it's the Lord's, and we're privileged to take his gospel and fight this devil and storm the gates of hell by the word of our testimony, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, not loving our own lives so much as to shrink from death. You see, John Robertson, there is hope. There is a God that saved you for a very specific purpose. And your job, John, is not to figure out how to win it all. Your job is to follow his orders, the order of orders of your commander, just like Joshua did. God has interesting and unique ways of turning everything right side up that the devil is tipped upside down. And 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 we will be amazed at the at the at what God gives us to win. We will be amazed at his orders. His orders sometimes it seems like well, there's so few of us, how can we win? And we get so busy in the strategy. But if we realize, if we realize this, and I, I heard Doug say this, and, and it's so true that, you know, per, for, perception is reality. You know, what we perceive the battle to be will determine how we fight it. And if we perceive the battle in Hollywood, the battle in Oregon, the battle here in the city of Charlotte, the city of Houston, and wherever we are, when we perceive that as a battle between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, then we begin to take on and we begin to fight with the strategies that God has clearly mapped out for us. You know, it doesn't seem, what a strange way God chose to save the world sent his son. He came here, clothed himself in flesh, and came in the person of Jesus in the womb of Mary. I, 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 you know, what, what a way for God to enter in to, the, to his world that he created. And, and he did it so that he could save us. He got down in the muck and the mire and the filth and the vileness of our sin. He did. He emptied himself of his divine prerogatives, came to this earth to save a wretch like me. And he had to get down in my sin. And he despised the shame of taking on my sin upon himself. And he died on that cross for me. That liberated me. Not some drug rehabilitation program. Not, not Alcoholics Anonymous. Jesus did. And as I get, began to sing that to the folks in Alcoholics Anonymous and began to say, it's not a God, uh, you know, some higher power is whatever you perceive him. No, his name is specifically Jesus. When I began to say that, although they liked having me there to share testimonies, uh, you know, in the little coffee houses and clashes in our AA meetings, um, they did not like that name Jesus. But I reminded them that Dr. Bob, who wrote the big blue book, the Alcoholics Anonymous, that we all read, I mean, his whole life and his whole change of character was was based on the fact that Jesus saved him out of his sins and gave him the power to overcome something that he himself could not overcome. Now, they've eliminated all of the words about Jesus in the blue book. Those are gone. They've been removed. And, and we see sort of a hopelessness in AA where you see a bunch of dry drunks drinking coffee and talking with each other, trying to encourage each other not to fall back in sin. And when I say a dry, dry drunk, all they do is they don't drink. And that's, yeah. that's it. They're not free to be who God created them to be because they don't even know the God of the Bible. And they're Reverend. just very afraid that they'll fall back. One of the but John Robertson, uh, you have been picked up and you have been chosen for a time such as this. And brother, get your eyes off of the horizontal. 
and all of the mess and get them vertical to the one who created you for this purpose. And he himself will lift you up and you will be one who becomes like the men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. We need men of vision that are seeing what God is doing in this big mess that we have. And as we see God's hand at work, we'll begin to sing his message and so many others are going to get set free. And who knows what could happen to America if the church would simply be who she really is. Amen. And uh, Reverend, like you mentioned about the big Bible, like most things in our country and society, whether it is the educational system, the political system, the military system, the economic system, God and his references, City Hall, all of the, the references to God have been removed and the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous big book included. One of the more popular sayings in AA is that a chair can be your higher power, that it doesn't matter who your God is, it can be an inanimate object. And I never knew that Jesus was uh, a staple of AA in the first place, but I have read the big book, (laughs) and I never understood. Yes, yes. Joe, I also, you know, you know where, um, you know where they get this whole idea. God can be anything, this higher power, anything from Rudolf Bultmann. Rudolf Bultmann was a German theologian who was a part of the Reformation, but he he became so smart that he said, you know what? And he did some what they call demythologizing of Jesus and uh, trying to take the myth out of Jesus. And he was a part of the form critics, the form critics of that time, of Bultmann's time. This is just before Adolf Hitler. I want you to know Rudolf Bultmann and that pathetic theology um, prepared the way for an Adolf Hitler. Here is Germany, the home of the Reformation, Martin Luther, all, all and, and, and then we see, we see what happens is the church becomes so feeble, so weak, that guys like Rudolf Bultmann and Feuerbach and several others of the German theologians get into this thing called form criticism where they're looking for the ipsissima verba of Jesus. That is the actual words of Jesus. And in order to get to the actual words of Jesus, what you have to do is view the Bible as an onion. And you you peel back the layers until you get to the very center of the core of the real words of Jesus. So what they do is they begin peeling back the layers of the Bible, throwing this one away and that section of Scripture away, and getting rid of uh, Isaiah and calling it, uh, well, there was that was one Isaiah, this is Deutero Isaiah, this is Tritero Isaiah, because there's no man that could write with, with such clarity all of the things that Isaiah prophesied, and yet... Isaiah, the prophet, prophesied them. God did it through him, and it wasn't just, it wasn't three different authors, it was Isaiah himself. Well, they say that's impossible. Of course it is. But with God, all things are possible. And so God used Isaiah. God uses his truth. But here are these guys peeling back the layers of this onion, trying to get to the real words of Jesus as the only words of God. And what they do is they throw the whole Bible out. Because how do you know when to stop peeling back the layers? Who who becomes God in this? Who helps you to determine that? And, and of course, <laughs> the only one is you become your own God. That's exactly... And so Rudolf Bultmann is the one who said, it doesn't matter if you... If Jesus really rose from the dead, what matters is that you believe that he rose from the dead. Do you, do you hear that? You, 
how idiotic. The Apostle Paul said, if Christ isn't raised from the dead, our faith is in vain. And we're still in our sins. And all of those that preached before us were lying to us. The whole thing hinges on a resurrection. The whole thing hinges on the truth. If it isn't true, then why believe it? I mean, if it isn't what you believe, is far more important than how much you believe it. I mean, the people in the Titanic, the board of the Titanic were sincere in their belief that the ship wouldn't sink, that it was unsinkable. And yet, 1,500 souls perished in that northern Atlantic icy ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, and they they perished, they died, because that ship could sink. They believed a lie. That ship could sink. Well, we don't believe a lie. We have 66 books of the Bible, 39 in the old, 27 in the new. These books were God's words spoken to us, and we can depend on them. Every single one of them. And as we stand on that standard, as God has that as our firm foundation, the rock upon which we stand, we speak boldly for him because we know the truth that sets people free. So when you're going to go and say, and, and, and I know what Alcoholics Anonymous does, well, you can believe in a chair just so long as you believe in it. And that's what you saw in the Super Bowl. Believe in love. They are talking about love. They're talking about lust. They don't know anything about love. Believe in love, rainbow colors. I mean, how? just and Lucifer, the, the whole idea of Satan trying to be a good guy now, and they're painting a kind face on this one called Lucifer. Why? Why do they do that? In order to take away the sting and the fear of him. And he can be your friend, just like Eve. Ah, just come on, did God really say... You know, he calls God's word into question, and Eve, you know, she begins to listen to him, and you know, he's not so bad, he's pretty good looking, yeah, okay, I'm down with this. God is the bad guy, and Satan becomes the good guy, if you listen to him, and that's what Hollywood is, it's just the lap dog, you know, in the, in, in the, in the, in the lap of the devil. It does the devil's bidding. And it's doing a great job. So it takes the fear away from this monstrous murderer, Satan, who has come to rob, to kill, and to destroy. And and we are called to come against that liar. That's the world, the flesh, and the devil that we fight. Three of them. It's three against one, but it's not really, because we got the three in one. Almighty God himself. And he is our answer. And you know what? As we believe this, as we begin to walk it out, things begin to change. Divine strategies become our own. And whether with few or with many, God can save, and he does. So be encouraged, fellas, because this battle is the Lord's, and we just have the privilege of fighting it. So let's just take up the sword when we've got to take up the sword, the trowel when we take up the trowel, and let's do it. Let's repair that wall, and let's fight Amen. any enemy that comes, and let's take captive every thought and make it obedient unto Christ. We can do this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're up against the break, folks. We'll be right back with Reverend Flip Benham and John Robertson. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network.
welcome back, folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Two very special guests, Reverend Flip Benham and John Robertson. Before we get back to the program tonight, you know, I want to just mention just a wonderful, uh, fantastic say, talking about saving your, your bacon. Uh, folks, I'm talking about pro flowers. You know, Valentine's Day is this weekend. Now, I know people say, ah, I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. Well, mom or, you know, my wife, they don't want flowers. My daughter even, they don't want flowers. Sister, coworker, whatever the case might be. But look, show someone exactly how much they mean to you. Give them the gift of flowers. Oh, I know it sounds trite, but it's not. You know, if you're tired of guessing wrong on what that special someone wants for each Valentine's Day, the Valentine's pros at Pro Flowers are here to take the guesswork out of it. Now, this Valentine's Day, you can trust the experts at Pro Flowers who give you the confidence that that your Valentine's Day is done right or whatever that special occasion might be. Don't wait for Valentine's Day. Surprise her early, even. Your wife, your girlfriend, that special someone, surprise her early. Don't wait for Valentine's Day. Be the talk of the office. Be the talk of the family. Be the talk of the neighborhood. Right now, Pro Flowers is offering our listeners, get this, two dozen assorted roses and a free glass vase for just twenty nine ninety nine. I I just used the I just ordered from Pro Flowers today. And you know what, folks? I'm not waiting for Valentine's Day. I, I want them delivered early so the enjoyment can be there. Right now, long uh, again, Pro Flowers, two dozen assorted roses, a free glass vase. For just twenty nine, under thirty bucks, twenty nine ninety nine, or you know what? You can really be a hero. Upgrade to long stem roses with a cherry red vase. It's a beautiful vase and chocolates just for nine ninety nine more. Go to proflowers.com. Use our code in the microphone box, Hagman. You've got to use that code, Hagman, H A G M A N N. Don't wait, folks. Don't wait till this weekend. Send them to her this week when her coworkers just gush and look at the flowers and say, oh. What a beautiful arrangement. You'll know you did Valentine's Day right. Pro Flowers is quick, easy delivery for Valentine's Day right now is guaranteed. But again, don't wait. You don't have to wait. Make her day. And you know, the smell, the beautiful aroma from the flowers, from roses, from flowers in general, that's a gift in and of itself. To see the smile on that special someone's face, just because... Just because, you know, tell them that you love them. You can't beat the price and convenience of Pro Flowers. They take care of all the details. You get the glory. Go to proflowers.com. Click on the blue microphone in the top right corner and type in Hagman. That's proflowers.com. Microphone. Go to the microphone box. Type in our code Hagman, H-A-G-M-A-N-N. Again, don't wait for this weekend. Order today. And and know that you can't beat the price. You can't beat the convenience. They take care of all the details. You get all of the glory. And regardless of what you might be trying to say, they've got everything. Pro Flowers has got everything you need from beautiful fresh flowers to add-ons to, to make it extra, extra, extra special to send the perfect message. Which one did you order? Oh, I, I'm not telling. I, I did order. You tell me out there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you something. Uh, they've got so many things you can add on. The balloon. It, they've got, I don't know who the mastermind is behind Pro Flowers, but they walk you through the ordering process. It's painless. Plus, they, they make recommendations. Hey, it just for another dollar more, a couple dollars more, add this or add that. 
and by the time you're done, you get the perfect package. It's proflowers.com. Our microphone code is H, or I'm sorry, Hagman. That's Hagman. Microphone box, Hagman, proflowers.com. Let's get back to our guest. Before we do, one more thing. I, I, I just want to say that, you know, it's, it's interesting that, that we are in this murkiness, the, the dangerous, the, all of the things we're seeing, this, uh, the fear, the depression, the anxiety, the, uh, just everything. It's almost oppressive, isn't it? We're experiencing this oppression. Oh, man. And, and John came on and you could tell this program is not scripted. Dark, dark place. I mean, you know, it's like, beat up we're all getting beat up and i'll bet you from what i've heard too from people out there you the, the members of our audience are getting beat up maybe it's maybe it's over something work related maybe it's something of a family issue maybe it's both but boy we're seeing some dark dark times maybe it, maybe it's not you yet but it, it might be maybe you're suffering from fear and depression maybe you're anxious about what's to come fear is not of god Anxiety is not of God. And for that, I'm going to, we're going to turn this over to, to Reverend Flip Benham. Reverend Benham, during the break, talking about fear, talking about anxiety. Yes, sir. Uh, Doug, was that you turning it over to me? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to say, I just, I just want to say quickly, I mean, Flip, uh, let's talk about fear a little bit. You know, I'm, I mean, sure. I feel like, you know, I got into this thing a couple of years ago and, uh, and I was I was so excited to be part of the the whole thing. I mean the Hagmans and, and Caravan and all of it. And uh the devil's kicking my butt right now, big time. And uh and I and, and, and he is a lot of people who are listening right now. So uh maybe you could talk about fear a little bit, you know, and how to deal well, with it. I can. I, I as a matter of fact, as I know, the the biggest coward that I see uh, that I'll see today or tomorrow is the guy that I saw in the mirror this morning. I know that innately I'm a coward. I'm a runner. I'm afraid. I'm not some bold man. I know I'm not. I, and because I know I'm not, I know that I am dependent totally and completely on God's grace. And I can trust that, uh, you know, if, if I were called out to stand, to, to fight for the Lord, and even if I go down, I go down standing up in the name of Jesus, I'm trusting not in my strength, but God's grace being poured into me to enable me to do that. Otherwise, I'll fold. I'll fold in a second. And you know something, John? That's really what has to happen with all of us. We have to come to the realization and face our inner coward. We have to tell the truth to God about that. You know, it took a long time for Peter to get to that point where he could face his inner coward. He thought he was a courageous man. He thought that, you know, nobody else got out of the boat, but I got out of the boat. I walked with him. I may have gone down, and I cried out to the Lord to save me, but at least I got out of the boat. I've got some faith. And Peter was the one that said, you know, if all the rest of you, of, of them, that talking about the disciples, deny you, why, <laughs> you can count on me. I won't deny you. And, and because Jesus loved him, he said this to him, to, to that disciple uh, who thought he was so great. He said, Peter, before the before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. <laughs> the last thing that Peter expected, and and sure enough, he denied the Lord three times, and God restored him. You know what? He finally got him to the point where he was broken enough so that God could pour his mercy and grace into him, and he said to him three times, feed my lamps, feed them, feed them. 
and 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 that's exactly what Peter did. We've got to face our inner coward. I have two boys, David and Jason. Actually, I have five children, 16 grandchildren, but um, two boys, twins, that were baseball players, and they just wrote a book um, called uh, Whatever the Cost, and it's dying to our dreams, facing our fears, and living powerfully. And they share the story of their dream to become, you know, Major League Baseball players and how, how that worked out and how it didn't work out. And, uh, and, and, then, and then on into business, they got broken from that because they knew in their hearts that God had called them and that God had a platform for, for them to speak and to speak powerfully. But they had to be brought through this refiner's fire. This is the way God works. He skills a man and he drills a man and he drags him through the, that valley of the shadow of death and he says now listen just follow me follow me you know following God is like being on a tandem bike I saw this somewhere I don't know who wrote it I wish I did but it was it's like a tandem bike ride with God you know and we he, you know when we receive him and we get on that bike with him and, and he's going to be our power source and so we have him on the back and we're on the front and we're steering and and uh, and we're, we're you know relatively safe you know going the places where we want to go and, uh, and and God becomes our wonderful friend, our Savior, and such a blessing, and it's so good to be with Him, and, and peace comes all over us, and, and, and our sins are forgiven, though they were as scarlet, they become as white as snow, and, and everything is good, and then God taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, let me steer. Let me get on the front seat, and you get on the back seat. You say, well, I was not really doing good here. God, you saved me. I'm a, I'm a new creation. All things have become new. And he says, sit back. Get in the back seat. And so he, he, he moves to the front, and, and we, in faith, get on the back. And he says to us, well, just pedal. And he begins to take us in places, and he knows, listen, not, not exciting shortcuts, but exciting long cuts. I mean, it took him 40 years to work with those people around that mountain in Sinai. It took 40 years for him to raise up Moses to be the man of character that he was. It takes years, and God takes years with us to bring us to to ourselves and to see that, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I cannot. So God's on the front, and he's steering that bike, and now he's taking us in terrifying places. And he said, you've got to slow down. We're going to die here for sure. And he says, you just pedal. And trust me, I know where I'm going, and I know the plans that I have for you, but I'm afraid. And he says, trust me. Pedal. But God, we could die. Pedal. Just pedal pedal. And you know what? As you as as he begins to take you to heights that you would never have gone on your own, when he begins to take you into places that you never would have gone to face enemies that you never would have faced, and you would see the absolute impossibility of it all if it were dependent upon you, you begin to see the power of Almighty God unleashed in you. And you begin to see lives changed and transformed. You begin to see um, armies melt away. You begin to see those demons, those phantoms, those everything begin to fade away as the brilliance of God's sunshine just begins to fill your heart and your soul. But that transition has to take place where you say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in the back seat, but I feel a lot better if I'm still. And he says, you take my yoke upon you, and I will give you rest. Isn't that interesting? He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
that is so beautiful. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. Isn't that strange that he would say, what does yoke have to do with rest? How, how does that work? Because work, a yoke, is a, that's work. And, and that's right. The work of God becomes for you the rest of God. You won't need all of the little drugs to make you go to sleep at night. Or the poor Michael Jackson couldn't get enough drugs. He called them milk, you know, to give him a good night's sleep because he couldn't sleep. He couldn't sleep because he was filled with guilt. He was filled with, he was just, there was so much cognitive dissonance and there were, there were voices in his head and he couldn't escape and, and, and he couldn't get better unless he got drugged up, you know, to, to, to just silence the most. But when you have God's yoke on you, then you don't need drugs, you don't need this, you don't need that. And and God gives you rest. And 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 you can burn without being consumed. When you're cooking on the old Holy Spirit, your wick the wick doesn't get burned up in your life. You don't burn up the wick in your life, you burn the oil of the Holy Spirit. And it trans it's transformative. This is what changes the entire world, and it begins in you, and it begins in me. Small little places, when God came to this earth, he came as a little baby. Small little places to insignificant little people, and God chose to save the world this way. And this lamb uh, became a high priest for us, who was tempted by every, in every way, yet without sin. And now we have this great high priest who is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and me. And he's saying, Pedal, John Robertson. Pedal. Trust me. I know where I'm going. I know you don't know, and you feel like you're just right on the edge of death. One step away from death. And you are. By the way, we all are that. One step away. And yet God will bring you through, John. And he'll bring me through. I've seen him do it. He brought my boys through. When their, when their dreams were shattered. And listen, you got to learn how to die to your dreams. Die to your job in Hollywood. Die to all of those things. They're, they're not important. God's going to use them in your testimony. And God is going to use them powerfully as you expose the devil and the things that he is doing. And believe me, he doesn't like being exposed. But you're going to do that. You're going to expose the deeds of darkness. And you're going to show that there is a truth and that there is a God and that God is right and that anything that doesn't proceed from his mouth cannot be good and cannot be right. And what do we have? We have this wonderful standard of Almighty God, this God who created the world, who flung all the stars into existence, all of the galaxies into existence, has come and shown himself to you personally as to who he is. And you have received that marvelous forgiveness, that wonderful thing that only God could do. Psychiatrists, if they had a bazillion hours, could not fix what is ailing you or me. Only Him. And when we get our lives centered with Him, when the hole is in the middle, we begin to make music with our lives. And the world looks and says, how, how is it that you... Now, where does this calm and the storm come from? <laughs> How is it that you can be so peaceful? Because you know that God, when things are impossible, you just lean back in his arms and hear those words, pedal, just pedal, I'll bring you through. And if the world doesn't see me bringing you through because I'm taking you home, Know this, I'm bringing you through, and you're going to walk right through that grave and right into my arms, because that grave isn't the last word, and that shouldn't make you afraid either. 
Don't let that old hole in the ground make you afraid because Jesus has been there. And he's standing on the other side of that grave saying, come on, you follow me all the way through. That's what he did with Stephen. Stephen had a great vision of God. Nobody else did. None of the TV cameras back in those days saw saw what Stephen saw. They couldn't do it. They couldn't get it on film. They didn't have film back then. But the fact of the matter is that Stephen saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. No longer seated. That's the way he's referred to all the way through. Theologically, in the in the New and Old Testament, you see him seated at the, at the right hand of the Father. But when his kids are in trouble, you see him standing. And when, when he's ready to bring those kids home that are standing for him, like they get burned at the stake or they get stoned to death like Stephen did, however it happens, God is right there. Almighty God is right there. And he says, you're coming with me. Because he knows... He knows, but but for fear, you've got to die to your dreams. You see, this this takes that when you die to your dreams, when you just let it go and say, God, I've got these gifts, but I don't see how they're going to be used right now. Would you let those things go? God, you may find Him giving them back to you, but now with power. And and so you're called to not be afraid of things or friends that you have left behind as you begin and go on this journey with God. And as you make the transference from the front seat and steering that bike to the back seat, and all you're doing is pedaling and God is leading you, you begin to find a new joy. I mean, the Calvary Road, although it is difficult, and though your companions are few, it is, it is, it is not a joyless walk. It is filled with a joy that I don't have words to wrap around to explain, but it is there, nevertheless, of doing right no matter what the cost is. And and so that being courageous and of good fear, listen to the command that God gives to Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, I'm just going to begin with verse 5. I want you to see this, that, that, yeah, it, that courage yeah. isn't something innate with us. Cowardice is what we're born with. That's the way it is. So I want you to hear this, though. In verse 6 of chapter 1 in Joshua, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous, and be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful in wherever you go. And do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, and then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, just just see this. That This is an obligation to strength and courage. He is commanding you. He's not asking you to be strong and courageous. He's commanding Joshua, you, son, had better be strong and courageous. Well, why would God have to breathe that into him? Because he wasn't strong and courageous. That's why. And he said, and that's my command to you. That's not me asking you to be strong and courageous. I am commanding you to do that. And, and when you see being strong and courageous as a command from Almighty God, a duty that he has placed upon you to be strong when you're completely afraid and un, un, unraveled and totally just at your wit's end, he says, you be strong and you be courageous. 
And, and the, uh, well, how do you do that? Well, in verse 8 it says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Look, God is saying, you take my word, and you begin to quote that over and over again. Whatever word it is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, whatever it is, or if it's a song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Even when you feel like you're just totally alone, and just quote Fight, fight. This is the work of God to believe on the one he sent. Fight. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. Fight the battle. That's 1 John 5, 4. But this is a battle that we must fight, and this is what we can offer up to God is even our faith. And so when we go in these scary places, when we feel like that we've lost everything and all of our dreams are dashed and on the ground, and that spirit of fear comes upon us. We better know where it comes from, and it's not from God, because it tells us in Second Timothy chapter 1 that God does not give the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. Now listen to this, and a sound mind. You know, there's so many people that need just that. That God, when he is the center, will give you a sound mind. A sound mind is not something that you can work up or and, and or, or just learn how to cope with yourself or with some self-esteem course or a bunch of Prozac or Zoloft. You're never going to have sound mind there. You're going to have a sound mind when God is centered in you. And then you can walk and you can proclaim with boldness. That boldness comes over you. And you come right out at the devil. One little word is going to fell the devil. I love that song that Martin Luther wrote about a mighty fortress is our God. I think it was Martin Luther. It was. A mighty fortress is our God. And then when he gets it, I think it's verse 3 where he says, one little word fell will fell him. There isn't anything to be afraid of. Nothing to fear. And, and it is a command to us. So John... This is it. Have I not commanded you? This is verse 9 of chapter 1 of Joshua. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. That is not an ask. That is a command. So when those butterflies are flying all over the place in your stomach and you're scared to death, God says, you get those butterflies and you make them fly in formation and you pedal, pedal. And then you find out that you get on the other side of that, as, as Joe so eloquently said about he and his dad when, when they'd go through times, then all of a sudden... You begin to live this powerful life, and you become that lighthouse to help the ships in the midst of a storm that are going to be dashed upon the rocks. If they don't, if it weren't for that lighthouse, where would this ship be? I love that song. The lighthouse is there, and that lighthouse is going to be you, and it's going to be me as we go through these times. And then God makes us a lighthouse, like the like the Hagman and Hagman uh, radio report. This is just and it, 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 just like. God begins to use the things that made us so afraid, and, and it makes us bold, and it helps us to help others in the midst of the storm to come through and to come forth as pure gold with their faith strengthened, which is more precious than gold, our faith. That's what God desires. And John, that's what we give to him when we obey him. We just say, get it up. I'm going to be a courageous man, and God will begin to help you. How will he begin to help you? Because he'll be, as you meditating on his word, you'll remember that this battle is his, that I am his, that he loves me, 
and that there is nothing that is going to happen to me that doesn't first sift through my Father's hands. He knows where he's going, even though I'm just pedaling on the back of this bike, and you'll come forth as pure gold. John, if I may, if I may just interject one thing really quick here, John, and I think you've given John Robertson, I think you've given our audience a, a marvelous gift here. And Reverend Benham, you too. You've given us a marvelous gift because it's a gift of insight. It's the gift of uh, looking in the future and seeing exactly what the sentiment just might be, even even um, among those in the fellowship. The 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 battered uh, you know the battered nature of what we're going through. And I'm not talking about any one specific situation I'm talking about all of the situations I'm talking about everything every time you turn around it's like man you either have to duck or you start bleeding from the from the battering ram that's you know the various battering rams time. And, and you know so you've given us a gift of uh, being able to look at you know how we're what we're going to experience all of us at one point and Reverend Benham you've given us the antidote for that and the antidote as we know is is uh, God uh, go ahead John I didn't mean to interject too much, but go ahead, sir. No, no, uh, Flip, if you're willing, uh, you know, I, I read One by Love, and um, are you willing to uh, maybe share your testimony with with us a little bit here tonight? Uh, I mean, I know that uh, you were a Navy man, you know, Miami Beach, the whole thing. Uh, you know, um, <clears throat> it's funny, this this remnant body, we're salty, and, uh, and we're sinners, and, uh, I think people would benefit from hearing uh, a little bit about, you know, what you went through, if you're willing to share it. <laughs> well, well, I am. I, 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 I certainly I am. And, uh, I, but I wasn't in the Navy. I was in the Army for three years. And, uh, and, uh, when I, when I signed to join up, I, I, I got drafted right out of college. I'd graduated from Florida State University, and I'd been raised in the saloon business all my life and was pretty much an alcoholic by the time I got out of high school and uh, just continued that uh, little message on all the way through college. But somehow I graduated, and then in uh, August of uh, 1970, um, when I graduated, I, I got this letter saying, report to South Salina Street in Syracuse, New York. Uh, and be there at 7.30 sharp. I didn't, <laughs> nobody had ever told me 7.30 sharp before. I knew I was in trouble. So, but, I, you know, it was during Vietnam and it was beginning to wind down and, and I had got caught in the lottery, lottery at that time and I was number 148, so I knew I was going. And uh, I decided I wanted to fly helicopters. I really felt like that, that's what I would, you know, would really want to do. And, uh, and so instead of serving two years, I had to serve three. I got into flight school in the, in the 20th week after I'd had about 21 hours of solo flying. Uh, the instructor pilot informed me that he said, son, I could teach a, a monkey how to fly, but I can't teach you. And, uh, and I, you know, and, and the reason that he couldn't teach me is not that I couldn't learn. He said, I already knew all the answers. I could fly the thing better than him. So I thought. And, uh, and he knew that uh, the Army would be a lot better off with me on the ground 
that be up in the air with one of their expensive helicopters. I mean, if I was going to kill myself some way out there, um, that uh, that they would rather not just lose me and not the helicopter. And, and that's pretty much the way it was. I was a rebel from the get-go and always uh, just wanting to do things my own way and believing that I could do it. And and uh, so when I got out of the cert, well, I, I met Faye while I was at Fort Gordon, Georgia. They made me a radio relay mic carrier attendant. I spent 16 weeks studying how to be that, but I, to this day, I can't tell you exactly what that was. Uh, because when I got over, they sent me over to Germany rather than Vietnam. Now, if I'd finished helicopter school, if I'd gone through, I would have been over in Vietnam. But they sent me over to Germany, and there, as soon as I got to brigade in um, in uh, Mannheim, Germany, uh, they made me a clerk because I was a college graduate. That's just what they did. They'd scoop up the college graduates and make them make them clerk in the brigade. That's that's how it worked. And and so they and they made me. <laughs> And they put me in charge of uh, race relations and drug abuse. Here I am, an alcoholic, just, you know, messed up in and, and, and race relations and drug abuse, for goodness sake. It just you, You'd have to be in the Army to understand. So there I was, and my answer for drugs was just get drunk with me, guys. Just don't do, you know, don't do all the other stuff. But uh, just come out and you get loaded with me. We can get the same high. It just, just takes a little longer sometimes. And, and and that's pretty much it. it. And I had Faye fly over. I met her in Fort Gordon, and I had her fly over. We got married in um, Heidelberg, Germany. And uh, and then when we came home in 1973, my dad gave us a saloon down in Kissimmee, Florida, which is just outside of Disney World. And Disney World had just uh, been finished, completed, uh, when we got there in 73. And, and I began to make a lot of money and had more money than I knew what to do with. And, and, uh, and I was just so empty. And for three years, I just wondered, is this it? Here I am in 1792. And uh, just uh, 1792 was the main thoroughfare that went from... Uh, uh, from Kissimmee on into Tampa, and our our saloon was right on that main thoroughfare, and and uh, and I was just wondering what is there, what is there left? I mean, what can I possibly do? Because the money didn't satisfy, nor did anything else. And and this old fella came in uh, selling uh, coffee makers in our bar, and and he uh, and he told me about a church that he was going to. I had gone to a lot of church before. For sure, and I was always bored, pretty much. I was even an altar boy in our little Dewitt Community Church up in the, uh, just outside, just north of Syracuse, New York. And uh, but I, I never was born again. I didn't know anything about that. But this guy was intriguing, so he invited me to his church, and 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 I, I, I let him go. I told him I'd go, but on Sunday morning he showed up at our house and <laughs> said, "Are you ready?" <laughs> And he was smiling. I'm going, what are, you, what are you talking about? Ready for what? And I hardly remembered who he was, uh, but I remembered that smile. And so it struck me, and I said, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, church, yeah. And he said, well, yeah, but I, I can't right now. And he said, listen, don't worry about a thing. I'll wait. And sure enough, he did. So I got Faye, and, and we got uh, Tracy, and we packed up and went to this little free Methodist church. Um, and there was a pastor on North Thacker Avenue, and there was a pastor named David Clarity who uh, just— uh, preached a gospel that I had never heard before, and it wasn't, I'm not blaming the, the, the pastors of other churches, I don't know what I heard in those other churches, but I heard the gospel this time, and I'm telling you, I uh, I, I was gripping the pews, uh, 
and just with my fingers and it was just white knuckled and I because it was like this guy read my mail and he knew I was so afraid I was scared and I could never let anyone know that I was scared but I was so afraid that I was going to mess up everything and lose everything I didn't know what to do and, and this guy was speaking to me you know the right thing to do he was preaching out of Romans uh, 7 uh, verses 14 and 15 you know you can know the right thing to do but you can't do it and every time you try not to do wrong you end up doing wrong I said that's me that yeah that's how what do I do with me and uh and, and, and he said, there, you know, there's only Jesus. He's the only answer, and he's calling to you today. Well, I, I left the church and, and had Faye drive Tracy back home, and I walked four miles from that little church to our house, and, and I wept. I'm sure the people thought I was a drunken mess. I was falling all over the road and just not even, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I was totally undone. I just, and it was, and for some reason, deep inside, it felt like it was okay. I mean, I hadn't cried, and I don't know how long I never would do that. And yet here I was, just like a, just like a, a just a blubbering little baby out there, and not in control, but for some reason feeling as if there was hope. I, now I, I don't know how to explain that any better than that. So I st we started going to that church. I wanted to see if these guys were real and true, and they were. And and. And since we owned a saloon, and since I'm in Florida, and since there are lots of old folks, snowbirds in Florida, that's uh, you know that's the guys up north that come down with the white hair and, and live in Florida for a while. Uh, um, they they filled that church at the winter time, and it was during the winter time that that Gene had the fella had invited me to the to the church, and uh, and they would come over to my saloon. I can remember Edna Stackhouse, she was probably 78 years old, brought a giant Spanish rice casserole and walked right through the door of our saloon and came right up to the bar and put that Spanish rice casserole on that bar. And she had never been in a saloon in her life. Liquor had never touched her lips. She and Sam Stackhouse were the most wonderful, honorable people in the whole world and I couldn't believe it and she walked right into our saloon and people the guys were looking at me going what is going on with you you know I, at that time now this was probably after about seven or eight weeks that I've been going to that church I'd stopped drinking I'd never been able to do that before but I stopped drinking I just did now, I didn't ask Jesus into my heart except about a thousand times watching Pat Robertson on the 700 Club. And, and this is, now this is 1976. And, uh, and so I've been there for three years in the saloon making all this money. And all of a sudden now I'm watching Pat Robertson. I, I'm turn, we're turning Billy Graham on to watch in the saloon so that I could watch his, his, uh, the, the evangelistic outreaches. And, and I mean, everything was, I was humming hymns while I was loading the coolers with beer. I thought I was so afraid I was just becoming a fruitcake, a, a nutcase. For Jesus, and I'd seen enough of those because I could remember one guy walking from from Fort Lauderdale, not Fort Lauderdale, but uh, Daytona Beach, um, across our, the state of Florida to Dayton, to um, Tampa, and he he crossed right by in front of our saloon on 1792, and he was carrying a cross, and I'd see him, you know, uh, periodically, I'd say probably three times a year, maybe walking back. 
you know, and forth. And I, I just couldn't figure this guy out. And now I began to understand what that guy was doing. And I would go out with a ham sandwich and a Coke and something, and I would just sit and talk with him, and he'd tell me about the Jesus that saved him. And I was understanding this. I was really becoming afraid of what was happening to me. And about uh, about six weeks later, I asked Jesus into my heart to forgive me for my sins. I went right down to that altar, and I was forgiven. For the first time, I was free. I was right. I, I was so excited. As a matter of fact, I was so excited that I decided I'd go to Warner Southern Bible College, which is a little Church of God, Anderson, Indiana Bible College in Lake Wales, Florida. So what I would do is I'd close the saloon up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and uh, and and, uh, and and get up at six in the morning to make an eight o'clock Old Testament New Testament survey class, and and so I and I was driving sixty miles back and forth, sixty miles there and sixty miles back. But I was never so excited in all my life. And all of this thing with the saloon and all of this stuff, the folks in the Free Methodist Church loved me. They knew that God was going to get us out of the saloon, and it wasn't. But a, a, you know, maybe almost about four or five months, and we sold that place. And I was off to Asbury Theological Seminary. This was incredible. Here I am, a saloon owner, Asbury Theological Seminary. I didn't know if they had accepted me. I had sent the uh, my application in, and uh, and. And so I get up there not being accepted. I've got the kids. I've got everybody. We're in a car, and we've got a U-Haul trailer on the back. But it's just so exciting, so incredibly exciting to me. I'm so filled with joy. I went through the Smoky Mountains, and I just wept as I saw what God put together in those mountains. I'd never seen that before. Although I'd been through there before, I had never seen it like that. I had eyes that could see. I had ears that could hear His voice. I had a heart that could understand Him and, and was just... Just absolutely looking to apprehend every truth of God I could get, and I, we spent three and a half wonderful years at Asbury Theological Seminary, and then on to, and then uh, we went out to begin a church, a little Free Methodist church, because the Free Methodists are the ones that helped dig us out of the swamp where we were, and uh, and we started a little Free Methodist church in Garland, Texas. Uh, in uh, in 1980, um, it was the summer of 1980 that we got into Dallas, Texas, and and then we, you know that church grew, and we moved from our house to a to a daycare center, and from a daycare center to the YMCA, and we were just move. I mean, growing, and the, and it was it was an amazing time, and then we got involved with Operation Rescue and Operation Save America. We ran people for the school board. We began to realize that God had called us to take over the city. And, and so we began to just do it, and, and and we got into all sorts of amazing things, and 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 God elevated us. And even though there were huge mega churches all around Dallas, the media would always come to us to ask us what was going on. <laughs> Whenever there was trouble, and they were looking for a pastor, they didn't go to EW Chriswell or you know some of the bigger Chuck Swindoll or some of the guys, the bigger guys that were in Dallas, Texas at that time. They'd come to us. And you wonder why we're not no big thing, but it was just that God was working through us, and and then I became the director of Operation Rescue in 1994, and I did that for 20 years till 2014, and and now I have the privilege of being right on the Hagman and Hagman show and meeting uh, Doug and Joe and uh, John and and being with Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer and so many of the great guys that are going to be with us in Dallas, and and I, and I know that every single one of the guys is going to be at here the Watchmen. 
are going to be guys that are going to be able to usher us right into the presence of Almighty God. Because, John, you're so right. There's so many of us going through things that we're wondering, is there any way out? And the answer is, there is. There is. And uh, if you've been looking for a place to land and just say, oh, Lord, is there some? where I could go to just, I cannot get my hands around what it is that's going on in me, but there is something going on and I need it desperately. You come to hear the watchman and you are going to find that there is, you're going to be crushed with the word of God, but you are going to be then so built up and so brand new that when you leave, when you leave that place, you are going to be such a blessing to others. God is going to prosper you. And when I say prosper you, that doesn't mean make you rich. It's what made Joshua when Joshua was called, you're going to be a prosperous and a success. It means you're going to get these people into this land. And every place you put your foot, I'm going to give it to you. Yes, I've given this land, but you have got to possess it. In other words, God gives us the land. It isn't just a gift and you just, you know, you just lie down in a hammock and wait. You've got to possess it. That's why when I tell you about this bike ride that we're on, this tandem bike ride, when, he, when we make and allow him to make that switch, after he he saved us and we've been with him for a while and we're taking him through safe places god says all right now i want to i want to i want to drive and i want you to sit in the back and pedal i've been pedaling for a while i've been your power i've saved you now i want you to get in the back because i'm gonna use you and and when he does and you have that yoke on your neck you are free 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 from fear overcoming your fears and living powerfully for him. So that's the testimony. That's how it happened. Uh, It's all just Jesus. I don't have any other explanation. There is no other explanation for me but him and for my boys who who wrote that book, whatever the cost, just dying to your dreams, facing your fears, and living powerfully uh, for God. Are you willing to uh, talk to the Hagman family a little bit here tonight about uh, Norma and how that whole thing went down? (laughs) <laughs> with with Miss Norma McCorvey, sure. Uh, yes, go, go ahead, John. I mean, I, do you have something that you want to say? No, I don't. I want to hear you. Um, but uh, I, I I just uh, you know I read the book and uh, I was really blessed when Greg Jackson connected you and I. And um, I think the Hagman family would benefit from hearing uh, you know how uh, you know how how it all went down. I mean, you know, you've been on the show what four or five times now and. Uh, tell us a little bit about you know how went, how 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 things went down with Norma and and just how it all came. Well, together. Norma McCarvey is the Jane Roe of Roe versus Wade, and I, I just a uh, she was a lady that hated me uh, because you know I was on television a lot in Dallas and uh, you know speaking uh, on behalf of those little baby boys and girls that have no voice. And uh, so in 1988, 89, 90, uh, when we were out at the abortion mills and being arrested for lying down in front of abortion mill doors and they'd cart us off to jail, um, uh, she, uh, she, just, uh, she just hated me for what she thought I was. And, and, you know, just an unloving, bigot, judgmental, didn't care about women, and uh, all we cared about were fetuses, and that's what she would say. And she would leave little telephone messages on on our phone at the office and say, well, we just fried up some fetuses today. Why don't you know we got some barbecue sauce on these? Would you like some? You know, those kinds of things. But she had four-letter words strung all the way through it. And, and that was our relationship for a long, long time until uh, 
1995, when we moved our office right next to her abortion mill. God just opened up a door for us to move right next to her abortion mill. That meant we could be in the parking lot, and we, you know, we had as much right to that parking lot as anyone else. They couldn't throw us in jail for trespassing because we were on that property and we were lessors. And you know how much it cost us for the lease of that place? One dollar a month. I mean, God just worked it out with some real estate guys to 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 get us in there for one dollar a month, and we were there, and the whole circus began because it didn't the uh, state. That they they took all your furniture, right? I mean, they, they yeah they yeah that was a little later. What what, what, what happened <laughs> but, uh, there? Pardon me. I said, <laughs> I said, didn't they uh, work out a deal with the state where they just they basically came and cleaned out your office, right? I mean, you you, you, you yeah uh, they did. But let, let me just uh, let me just get a, a little a little before okay. that. Um, so so Norma uh, and calls the media and and for probably three and a half months we had satellite trucks in that in that and it was a huge parking lot uh, we had satellite trucks there and police cars and everything it always looked like a crime scene all the other businesses were going bonkers but it was just one of those times and uh, you know when you get tapped on the shoulder for one of those times and you get to talk to the media like that uh, and but Norma was the one that brought all of this on because she wanted us out of there but what happened was um, God began to work in her heart God began to get a hold of her the last thing that she expected we had two little girls Chelsea and Emily which were um, uh, my administrative secretary's name was Rhonda Mackey and those were her two little girls and they would go over and say Miss Norma Miss Norma would you please come to church with us and she would look at me and she'd say, oh, stop it, stop it, stop it. And then she came up and she told me, you stop having those kids come over here and talk to us. She said, Miss Norman, nobody's sending them over. They they really love you. And she'd say, they do not. And, and, and she would be so mad. And we had Time Magazine do an article of us. Oper- what was it? Operation Rescue meets Norma McCorvey, the Jane Roe Roe versus Wade. It says there's bound oh. to be violence. And sure enough, there was violence, but it wasn't the violence that Time Magazine was thinking. There was a violence that was going on in her heart. Yes, the kingdom of heaven advances violently, and violent men apprehended. God was going after her heart through two little girls. And so, and so as, as we kept going on, um, she finally said, well, she would come over and ask me to pray for her now. One day, on a Saturday morning, I came over to the... Uh, to the abortion mill to our office and uh and there was miss norma there in the parking lot and i was the only one there and there were no police around and there was nobody around and so i just looked at her and i said miss norma miss norma what are we going to do and i said why don't you come over and talk with me for a second and so we went and sat down on the little iron bench right out in front of the abortion mill and I told her something. I said, Miss Norman, do you remember when you came out with that book, I Am Roe? And you were on McKinney Street in Dallas, Texas, and you were doing a book signing. And I spoke. The police wouldn't let me cross the street. So I spoke to you in a loud voice. And I said, Norma McCorvey, as a result of what you have done, over 27 million baby, little baby boys and girls have been killed. This was in 1995. Excuse me, that was in 1994 when I confronted her with that. And uh, I said, do you remember that? She said, I sure do. And I said, listen, I knew when I spoke those words 
that they fell right into your heart. And I want to apologize to you for the fact that that hurt you and you didn't understand why I said what I said. But, Miss wow. Nora, I want you to forgive me for that. And the tears just welled up in her eyes. And she, and she said, wow. She said, I could hardly breathe when I heard that. That's why I had to leave so fast. I didn't know that she had to leave fast. She told me, I had to leave so fast, I couldn't breathe in that place. I just went out the back door and just had Connie take me home. Connie, Connie was at, was her lesbian lover. And, yeah, and, I know. and just take me home. And, and I said, and I didn't realize what I was opening up at that time. But I said, now, Miss Norma, I have a Bible, and I'm going to get this Bible and place it in your hands. I want you to read it. She said, well, I've got my book, of, or I've got my bag of ruins. You know, ruins are those rocks and yeah. stuff that you cast, witchcraft junk. And uh, yeah. and, and she gave me her, her, her little bag of ruins. I said, I'll, I'll take these. Don't, don't worry about them. I'll take these. Now, you, t- you take that Bible. And uh, and we had a little prayer, and I told her this. I said, um, Norma, you, did you know that God is really pro-choice? And she said, what? And I said, oh, he is. You see, in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, these words are written. And it says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you this day, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live and you may learn to love the Lord your God and fear him always for the Lord is your life you see he is pro life or pro choice he wants you to choose life but it's up to you and she said no and I said yeah and 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 the next thing you know little Emily and Chelsea come out and Norma has bought them a little a car, a little electric battery car. It's all pink, and she's having them drive all around. And, she, and they looked up at her and said, "Miss Norma, will you please come to church with us?" And sure enough, she went to church on a Saturday night. She said, "Well, Emily and Chelsea, nobody goes to church on a Saturday night." And they said, "Oh yes, we do at our church." And so she she came to church and she gave her heart to Christ that night. And uh, and and believe me, it was incredible. I I, I baptized her on August eighth. Uh, we did that was uh, three days after she had given her heart to Jesus, and we we did it with Peggy Waymeyer of ABC, and it was on. We we just did a a uh, whatever they call those stories. Uh, you know, there's something that they call them. Pardon me? No, no. They, she was on Nightline for sure. But uh, this was a, a special thing that we did. It was just for ABC News. And Peter Jennings was the one that was going to break the story. Well, exclusive. Um, and we had Peggy Waymeyer because she knew that this was not just some political thing, that this was the, that what had happened here was really a gospel thing. The, the poster child for the, for the pro-choice movement for abortion was Norman McCorvey and the poster child had just jumped off the poster into the arms of Jesus and now she wasn't important for the name of Jane Roe she was loved by the God who made her and her name is Norma McCorvey and God made her uh, and accepted and a young lady that was completely forgiven and uh, then then the the media went nuts and we were all over uh, you know, and it was just God just raising her up and saving her in such a beautiful way. I, I won't go any further than that, John. You probably are trying to get some other things, but it was just amazing. And listen, what changed her? Jesus. 
That's all that had to happen. She didn't have to have all of the things changed in her mind. I remember when she first came on Nightline um, with Ted Koppel, uh, she said, well, I believe that abortion in the second and third trimester, and he said, Koppel says, well, what about the first? She said, well, I think it's all right then. And and then, uh, you know, she came back and she met with all of us because we were having a leadership meeting in Dallas, and all of us were up in the hotel. And so as soon as she got done shooting uh, the, the thing for Lifeline, she came up and joined us. And we said, Miss Norma, only one thing. Babies are babies from very conception, from the instant of fertilization. They're all here. And she said, oh. And, and that's how, you know, that just, that's all it took. <laughs> She, she knew, you see, when Jesus comes into a heart, you're all of a sudden open to these truths, and you see the world with different eyes. And and as she began to see the truth, she's become an eloquent spokesperson for little baby boys and girls. That's the Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade. She's no longer Jane Roe. As a matter of fact, she... she titled her ministry, Roe No More. I am Norma McCorvey, a child of the king. Wow. Yeah, yeah, wow. I, I, let me ask you something, Flip. Were you uh, were you scared Were you scared during this time at all? I mean, I, I mean, you, you were in the media spotlight, you know. Uh, Jane Roe doesn't get bigger than that. I mean, were you afraid? Was I afraid at that time? Yeah. I, I didn't have time to be afraid. I had time, but uh, but I knew I was ready, and uh, and there were a lot of times that I was afraid. Since then. Uh, and in uh, a lot of times, but not right at that time. I was not afraid. I was just. It was like I knew what I was born for, and uh, and and so that was just an incredible time. It was only for a time. It's a season, and those things go away. And now nobody knows. The only way that people know me now is that I'm the dad of David and Jason Benham, the guys that got fired off the HGTV program and, and so you know they used to be known as hey that's Benham's boy those guys are Benham's boys now I'm known as the only way they know me is through them <laughs> so but it was a season it was good I felt ready for it and 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 God prepared me yeah. for it and his holy spirit just brought me through wow uh we got about a minute until break time gentlemen you know, if I, if I can jump in here just real quick, I I I really appreciate uh, these the uh, testimony what I've heard here from uh, Reverend Flip Benham. But I want to add this because this is a part of it as well. You know, we when we look at what we're facing, we should well at least in my view, we must share in the suffering of our broken world as servants. We've been called to give hope to others, to anyone who seeks it. And this is what uh, certainly Reverend uh, Flip Benham has, has done. His website, um, folks, and visit his website, um, Operation Oper- Save. Go ahead, OperationSaveAmerica dot org. Yeah, it's OperationSaveAmerica dot org. That's right. It's uh, and of course, uh, uh, read about or get familiar with uh, what happened to his two sons. An incredible story, absolutely incredible story. With that, we'll be back with our third and final hour with Reverend Flip Benham of OperationSaveAmerica.org and John Robertson, uh, our Hollywood insider and speaker at the upcoming Hear the Watchman conference in Dallas, March 18th through the 20th. Can't wait to meet both you gentlemen there. We'll be right back after these messages. This is the Global Star Radio Network.
welcome back, folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. A very special guest tonight, Reverend Flip Benham, OperationSaveAmerica.org. That's OperationSaveAmerica.org. And John Robertson, both going to be in Dallas this coming, well, next month, actually. A month here coming up very quick. And uh, looking forward to, to seeing them both there. Folks, before we get back to our program, I just want to mention a did you know something? A head of cauliflower, cauliflower in most areas costs more than a gallon of gas. Did you know that? I, can you imagine this now? Uh, cauliflower, a head of cauliflower costs more than a gallon of gas in most areas. I did not know that. I don't buy cauliflower. My wife and I were talking, or she mentioned this to me, and she said, this is unbelievable. And we were pricing, or she was pricing and telling me about the, the fresh fruit selection. You know, the FDA does not require food processors to tell us where our food comes from. What's worse is some of the garden seeds that are out there on the market. And I know this to be a fact with uh, one of our local uh, garden stores, if you will. But some of these garden seeds that you purchase in the stores have been crossed with bacteria known to kill certain insects, therefore making every cell in the plant a pesticide. Now think about that for a moment. In fact, our local our local seed uh, uh, shop, garden shop, had pulled off uh, uh, an entire seed line of tomatoes in the fall. It was unbelievable, and I asked why. It was for this very reason. Now, you can't wash these pesticides off before eating. So by selling hybrid or genetically modified seeds, the major seed companies make more money, knowing the farmer will have to buy their chemical in seeds every single season. Now, what's the answer to this? How do you, as the consumer out there, what do you do in this day and age? Well, there's one place you can turn for long-term solutions. That's Heaven's Harvest. Now, Heaven's Harvest offers 38 different varieties of seeds to plant your own garden. Folks, don't wait to do this. Don't wait until you can't get these any longer. Heirloom or non-hybrid vegetable seeds have not been genetically modified or altered in any way. These seeds have been used by gardeners and small farms for generations. They're going to continue to grow a healthy plant year after year after year. These are seeds made by God's design. Folks, go to Hagman's, I'm sorry, HagmanSeeds.com. Go to HagmanSeeds.com and order it yours today. That's HagmanSeeds.com. Get your heirloom kit and rest assured that you are planning for your future. Again, you know, we have to understand that um, the seeds at HagmanSeeds.com by Heaven's Harvest are have been carefully developed to be hardy, productive, and to produce more seeds, not like the GMO or other uh, modern hybrid seeds. This is a one-time kit, folks, for a lifetime of food. Did you hear what I just said? A one-time kit for a lifetime of food. You know, we, we, we think about the gold and guns and canned food and long-term storable food. Good, 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 good. But, but what, but you gotta think about tomorrow. Think about your children. Think about your legacy and what better legacy 
than the gift of life, gift of life through plants, through seeds. That's HagmanSeeds.com via Heaven's Harvest. That's HagmanSeeds.com. Order yours today, folks. All right. With that, let's get back with our guest, Reverend Flip Benham, Operation SaveAmerica.org, and John Robertson, uh, coming speaker at Hear the Watchman, our Hollywood insider, and a great friend of the program, and the brains behind HH Connections. John, I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, thank you, Joe. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I'll just, I'll put it to, I'll put it to all of you folks this way, okay? Um, what's going on in Dallas next month is, is what we need, period, okay? Um, I'm up here in Washington right now. You know, I've been, uh, I've been in what, seven or eight states in the last six months. Um, what's happening in our country is frightening, period. And we're bringing Christians together to, uh, to worship. That's what we're doing. And, uh, and the fact, I won't go into detail, but the fact that my friends are being picked on and, uh, and that this, that this thing has been, uh, made to be, you know, uh, controversial or whatever, it really irritates me because the bottom line is this, uh, I know Mike and Jeannie, I hang out with them all the time and they've, they've put their livelihood. I mean, I'm, I'm being straight up with you here. They put their livelihood on the line. Okay. Um, the money that's paying for this uh, comes out of their bank account, period. And uh, <clears throat> and I've been I've been thinking a lot about Nehemiah lately. Um, I don't know why exactly. Uh, it, well, it was actually <laughs> it was actually Franklin Graham uh, and his uh, speech at uh, Tallahassee about what two three weeks ago that, that, that got me got me thinking about Nehemiah. And, uh, and having a Nehemiah moment, having a collision, a spiritual collision, uh, with realizing whether we need to either build a wall or trust the Lord to tear one down, one or the other, you know? And, uh, and Reverend Flip was, uh, kind enough to come on with me tonight to talk about that. And, um, and, uh, I'm gonna hand it back to him here in a second, but I would just encourage each and every one of you listening to me tonight to just ask yourself this. Do you need a wall built in your life? You know, something, do you need the Lord to build something? To put between you and, and your sin, you know? Or, maybe you need a wall torn down. Either way, uh, we've got Nehemiah and Joshua to look at for that. And, um, and if you join us in Dallas next month, uh, you will not be disappointed. Um, it's the real deal. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't even understand where all this controversy came from. I really don't. Um, but uh, but some of us need walls built, and some of us need walls torn down, and uh, and that's where I stand uh, this evening. And uh, and Flip has been uh, kind enough to offer us a teaching on Nehemiah. So with that, I'm going to hand it back to you, Flip. Well, well, thank you, John. You know, I I, I have been thinking about Nehemiah and uh, and Daniel. And uh, Daniel, of course, uh, precedes Nehemiah. And I, I was thinking about where where is it that Ezra and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel got their holy boldness? Where, where, where did they get that? And, and really, it was through the testimony of the holy walk 
of men who stood for God and purposed in their heart to follow him and him alone, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and of course, Daniel in the lion's den. See, their godly lives sent a powerful message into future generations, and Nehemiah was one of those generations, you know, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in captivity. Nehemiah is now coming back coming out of that captivity, and the first thing that he is going to do is he is going to repair the walls, to rebuild the walls of the city, because when the walls of a city are broken down, well, it, says that, it says this, a man without discipline is like a city with its walls broken down. Um, what, is, what is a city with its walls broken down? Anything can come into it, anything, and, and just take over. So many of our own lives are like that. We're, we're, we're you know, a man without discipline is like a city whose walls are broken down. We, we, we don't have that spiritual gifting of discipline in our lives. And so all sorts of drugs, all sorts of fantasies, the devil has a heyday as he, as he roams across the track of our mind and, and terrifies us and does everything that he can just to reduce us to a quivering piece of flesh so that rather than being an arrow to be launched from the bow of family and church to plunge right into the gates of hell and take Satan out and his lies out, exposing them and then crushing them, we become just limp-wristed folks that sit back and are taken advantage of and the, and the devil just has his way. And, uh, and so when you look at Nehemiah, you see a different man, a different man, who, a man who was touched by the godly witness of those that have gone before them. And, you know, sometimes it's important for us to think not just about ourselves, you know, I'm, I'm going to have my devotional period, I'm going to meditate on the Word of God, and I'm going to do this all for myself. I, I need more than that, and so do you. Uh, I mean, we can know that things are good for us, we just aren't going to do it. You know, are we, and we can even know that things are going to kill us, but we keep on doing it. We're people without discipline. The walls are broken down, and, and, and any enemy can come in and just bring confusion and chaos in your life. Well, what God wants to do is for us to be, rebuild those walls, but we can't do it without Him. And so when you, when you open the book of Nehemiah and you take a look at it, you're going to see that he's talking about rebuilding the walls of a city, restoring the gates of the city, and, and who's got to be involved in this task and who isn't, and the kind of battles that you're going to meet when you do that, just like John Robertson's friends who have gone through so much grief, um, and, and they want, you wonder sometimes, I liked it a lot better before I met Jesus than to be in this mess that I'm in now while I know Jesus, and, and suffering the, the arrows being fired in my back from, from brothers and sisters in the Lord. I, I need some help here. And, uh, and, but this is not unusual and not to be unexpected, and we are called, and not called, but commanded to be courageous and not to be discouraged. You've got to command yourself. You've got to say, you know, get up, oh, my soul. Get up, stand up, soul, mind, will, and emotions. That's the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Stand up and be strong, soul. You've got to preach to yourself sometimes. You've got to bring it up and say, gird it up. Get that steel inside of your gut and stand up and proclaim the truth. Well, this is what Nehemiah did. But first of all, he had to see and diagnose the problem. And so... If just a just a cursory look. We're going to just look at a few sections here in Nehemiah, and I want you to get to to verse three of chapter one with me. And and God 
God says this, Nehemiah has sent people out to find out what's going on in Jerusalem. What is it like there in Jerusalem? Now, remember, he's still in captivity, uh, and and he has sent some people that way to find out how the city is doing. And in verse 3, the, the messengers come back, and they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. Look at, um, you know, in uh, in Psalm chapter eleven, verse three, it says, "When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do?" That's Psalm eleven three. You know, the foundations in America, what made us great, they're being destroyed. They're being systematically destroyed right before our very eyes. As we're seeing enemies that are now ruling in the gates, and they're using government rather than to reward those who do good and punish those who do evil, it's just the reverse. They're punishing those who do good, our government is, and rewarding those who do evil. What are the righteous to do when the foundations are being destroyed? And the answer, of course is to rebuild the foundations. We've got to get back to the foundations. What made America great? Donald Trump doesn't know. He thinks he can make America great again. For him to make America great again, he's got to first of all come uh, you know, face-to-face with the truth of what made America great in the first place. And that is, of course, the Jesus who resided in the hearts of our pilgrim forefathers who made that journey across the Atlantic here and, and, uh, and, and manifested himself through our founding fathers and through those that followed Jesus. Oh, we had our ups and downs for sure as we were following Jesus as a nation. My goodness, we're only 240 years old. It's not, it's not impossible to think that uh, that's not a long period of time. 240 years old, and, and, and God made us the greatest, the most free nation on the face of of this earth. There has been no other nation like America. And America is great. Alexis de Tocqueville said, uh, that French sociologist, he said, and America is great because America is good. And when America ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. And we're seeing that before our very eyes. We're watching the walls being torn down. We're seeing the boundary stones removed and moved to different places. So now marriage isn't just between a man and a woman. And, and of course, God gave that to us as the first institution for the blessing and procreation of mankind. He gave that to us. And now we've said, well, God, you are probably a little mixed up then. And we know better now. And so we're moving forward in our progressive move. And, and we will do what we think. And so we're busy now building a, a, a Tower of Babel. And, uh, and and that's what America has become like. We have seen the, the blood coursing through the corridors of our streets, our workplaces, and our schools. And we look at each other with awkward amazement and wonder, what should we do? What should, how can we stop this? We're seeing bloodshed in the streets. We're seeing it all over the world. We're seeing this. It seems as though the enemies are prospering. And those that are righteous are just being punished and parked. And, and what are we to do? And Nehemiah gets this report that those walls have been broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. And so here's Nehemiah. Here's what he says. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. 
And for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God in heaven. Now listen to this. It's all, it's all right to mourn. It's all right to, you know, you come in and you see confusion, you see chaos, you see, you see the land just raised to the ground, the beautiful buildings, trees, everything is just ruined. We become a, a sewage, a sewage plant just pumping out bilge and pornography to the rest of the world rather than being a shining city on the on a hill uh, pronouncing the righteousness of God we're just a sewer we're filthy and we're pumping and we see what we've become all right mourn for this go ahead because that's exactly what you should do um, and and all of us should do America's walls are broken down we've got to confess the truth the word for confess is actually two Greek words the, the, the first word being homo which means the same as and the second word logos which um, no logao uh, which means speaking speaking the same as God let's confess the truth that's the first thing we need to do let's take an assessment of what we've got and just tell God the truth <laughs> and tell him this there's no way we can fix it. There's not a Republican president that we're going to get elected this time that's going to fix the situation, nor a Republican Congress, nor a Republican anything. We, we, our answer is not there. We've got to confess the truth that we can't fix this. If my people, that 714, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles 714, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, exactly what Daniel is doing, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Donald Trump, you can't heal America, and you can't make America great. Only God can, because he's the one that made America great in the first place, something you don't even know or acknowledge, but something that is true nevertheless. And so Daniel makes this assessment, and he heard these things. He sat down, he wept, and for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God in heaven. And then I said, then, after that, I said this. And uh, in verse 5 he says, O Lord of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants the people of Israel I want you to hear that because in Isaiah chapter 1 God tells us listen you're crying out to me you're doing your you're you're doing all of your feasts and you're you're all gathering together and you're using my name and you're offering up sacrifices to me and he says those sacrifices have become a stench even though I wanted you to bring them you've brought them with a heart that is not fully mine look your hands are full of blood your hands are full of blood, and I will not hear your prayer. Listen, do we expect God really to hear our prayer? If our hands are full of blood, and if you don't think our hands are full of blood, you'd better just look back since January 22, 1973, in the Roe v. Wade decision, to this very day, over 60 million little baby boys and girls have been ripped apart as a result of abortion. Our hands are full. That's innocent blood. And that blood has a voice. And that voice cries out from the 
ground to Almighty God, and God hears that voice. You want his blessing? Is that what you're looking for? We better repent of the way that we're going. We need to confess the truth. God, we shouldn't be shedding this blood. When this is wrong. These are innocent, little, the weakest. I mean, Jesus said it so well. He said, whatsoever you have done to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. My brothers and sisters, I can't think of any, anyone more least of these than little baby boys and girls safe in their mother's womb that have no voice lest we give them a voice. And God says, that's going to have to stop. If you want me to hear your prayer, that's going to have to stop. So what can we do? What can the righteous do when the foundations are being destroyed? We can do this. We can confess the truth of who we are and what we have become and how we have failed to be that which God has called us to be. Turn from your wicked ways, and then I will hear from heaven. God will begin to hear. And then I will forgive your sin, and then I will heal your land. Listen to this, this prayer, Daniel's prayer. I confess... The sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. Now, why would Samuel own the sin like this? Because he was a part of that people. And although he was the most righteous man, surely, at that time, he was a man that owned the sin. He didn't blame everybody else, pointing his finger, getting the speck out of his brother's eye without first looking at the log in his own. And that's where you and I need to get. We need to get our our finger pointed right at us and saying, Lord, remove that log from my eye that I might see clearly to get the speck in my brother's eye so that I could really be an aid to him rather than just one who is trying to uh, use him as an excuse for my doing wrong. In verse 7 it says of chapter 1, we have acted, we. Now notice this, this is him taking uh, this sin upon himself. This is just exactly what Jesus did. This is what the people of God do. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. And, And then he says, remember... Verse 8, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even your exiled people are at the farthest horizon. I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed, O God. Give your servant success, I'm skipping, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was a cupbearer for the king. Look at this. He had been elevated to a cupbearer of the king. That's the most trusted man in the kingdom right there. And Nehemiah was the cupbearer of the king. And listen, the heart of a king is in the hands of the Lord. He directs it like a water course wherever he wills. That is God using the king. 
Now, as, as Nehemiah is breathing the right prayer, confessing the truth of where he is, repenting of it, and now desiring to see justice done, we're going to rebuild those walls. Now what has happened is Nehemiah has just unlocked. He is loosed from the earth, and, and now it is being loosed from the heaven. The grace and the mercy of God poured down upon a people to make them a people that now can do the work they never could before repentance, before the confession of the sin, before looking to see justice done. And so the the battle begins, and Nehemiah goes out, and he begins to get the people together. Now, it's very interesting who he gathered together. You see, we start in... Um, in uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Look at this. Who is he going to call to do the work? Well, it says, Eliashib, the high priest. Now, this is chapter 3, verse 1. Eliashib, the high priest, and his priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. Now, were these men carpenters? Were these men construction guys? No, they weren't. Do you know what? When the walls are broken down, everybody, I don't care what your gifting is, if you're the gifted guy of this or the gifted guy of that, if you're an evangelist over here and, uh, and, uh, and you're a, a guy with the gift of mercy over there, it doesn't matter. You've all got to be a part of rebuilding that wall because if you don't, the enemies are going to come in and you're not going to be able to exercise your gifts at all. The only time that you're going to be able to exercise your gifts is to enhance another king who has come in to take over. So so you see here that Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and built the sheep gate. You see, the priests had to be engaged in building the wall. That's right, they had to get their hands dirty. Well, they say, wait a minute, I'm called to be a priest. I offer up sacrifices. I said, look, if you don't build those walls, you won't be the priest for anybody unless you want to be the priest for Baal. Look at this, verse 8. Verse 8 of chapter 3. Notice just who the people are that God is calling to do the work and rebuild the wall. Uzael, a son of Harahiah, and one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section. And Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs to the next section. Isn't that amazing? Now you have goldsmiths. Their, their ministry wasn't, you know, uh, being a, a carpenter or being a mason. Um, or rebuilding the walls. No, he was a goldsmith, and yet he had to rebuild the wall. And not only that, the perfumers were, and then their gifting wasn't in, in construction. It was, they were perfumers. And now he has them engaged in building the wall. In verse 12 of this chapter 3, it says, Shalem, the son of Halonesh, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. Get this. The daughters were a part of rebuilding the wall. Now, certainly they weren't made to do that, but you know what? If you don't rebuild that wall and everybody doesn't put their hand to the trowel and a hand to the sword, it's not going to get done. It's everybody. I don't care about your gift. Right now, we've got to rebuild the wall. And then we look at verse uh, 17, and we see next to him, the repairs were made by the Levites. See, the Levites are now, now these are the helpers to the priests, but the Levites are now busy 
rebuilding the wall. In verse 22, it says, and the repairs next to him were made by the priests from the surrounding region. Priests that were out in other places were now here to rebuild the wall. And then in uh, verse 26, it says, the temple servants living in the hill of Ophel made repairs up to the point opposite the water gate. So here are the temple servants that are working and rebuilding the wall. And and then they have, and, and in verse 32, it says, and between the room above the corner and, I, and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and merchants made repairs. So here are the goldsmiths and the merchants, the entrepreneurs of time. Everybody has to be involved in rebuilding the wall. Why? Because if the walls aren't rebuilt, the enemies will come in like a flood, and you will not be able to fix it. If the foundations are destroyed, you've got to rebuild the foundations. You've got to do this. A man without discipline is like a city with his walls broken down. You understand that we've got to rebuild the walls? We have to rebuild the walls. We have to, and all of us, no matter our giftings, we have to be involved in rebuilding the walls. And the walls have been torn down. And believe me, the city gates are being burned. And certainly we're living that out in the city of Charlotte, as the city of Charlotte is now going to take a vote on February 22nd uh, for, so that we can have transgendered bathrooms. So all the Panther games, you're going to have just bathrooms that anybody can go into at any time. They're not going to have boys and girls. They're not going to have men and women. They aren't going to have anything like that. It's, you know, just for the transgendered friends. So anybody can go to any bathroom they want to go to. This is insane. This is, I mean, can you imagine your 10-year-old daughter in a bathroom and some guy walks in there? Can you imagine you being a father out there seeing this guy walk in and knowing that your 10-year-old daughter is in there? What are you going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to go and drag that guy right out of that place, and then guess who's going to jail? Not him, but you. That's right. That's what's got, Everything has been turned upside down here in Bizarro World, and we're living this thing out, and we're seeing it. Why? The, everything is torn down, and the gates are lying burned, and God's saying, you rebuild those walls. Well, how do I do that? Well, first of all, you confess the situation that you're in, and you own it just exactly the way Nehemiah did. And then you repent of it. You turn 180 degrees. You were headed south, and now you're going north, and you're going to keep going north. You're going to rebuild those walls. The word for repentance is meta, two Greek words, meta, which means change, and nous, which means mind, metanoia. You repent, and then, and then you seek to see justice done, and then God, as you unloose this on the earth, God unlooses from heaven his mercy and grace. That is the, first of all, the unmerited forgiveness of our sin and our letting everything go so that we don't have to be buried in the regret of how we failed yesterday. Because today is the day that we have, and today is the day that we're going to live for him. And we're not going to worry about tomorrow. We're not going to let the devil frighten us with all of his Goliath-like shouts, you know, send me a man. We're not even worried about him. We're going to live for today. And trust God gives us enough for today. He doesn't give us tomorrow. It doesn't belong to you or to me. And I can't get back back into yesterday to fix all the things that I did wrong. So his grace and his mercy fill me. He takes care of all of my tomorrows. I'm not worried about about, I'm not worried about, he takes care of all my yesterdays, I'm not worried about tomorrow, because tomorrow is his, I've got enough grace for today, and I'm going to rebuild those walls today, and I'm going to tell the truth, I'm going to confess, I'm going to repent, I'm going to see that justice is done, I'm going to just stand out there and do it, and then God will open the 
the heavens and his grace, which is the desire and the power to do his will, is going to be turned loose on us. And then we begin to rebuild the wall. As soon as that happens, John Robertson, listen to this. There are going to be enemies inside and out that are going to want to stop the work. They're going to want to stop you at all costs, no matter what it is. It's got to be stopped. You, he cannot let you get away with rebuilding the wall. And we pick that up in chapter 4, verse 1. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry. A lot of people that become angry, I mean, it's not my wall. I was having charge of this thing, and now, and now you're coming in to rebuild the real wall. And uh, I'm not going to let that happen. I don't care what you do. And your answer and your response, John, and mine is we have been called by God to rebuild this wall, and we're going to rebuild it. But just look, expect this is going to happen. When you start to rebuild that wall, enemies are going to come upon you from within and from without. So let's just see. What he says, when Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed, and he ridiculed the Jews. <laughs> and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what those feeble Jews are doing, will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish it in a day? And they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble and burned as they are. You know what? Sanballat is always there. He's always mocking and scorning and, and making us feel like the work that we're doing is just so little bit much and nothing. And, and you know, you just you, you sit back and you want, oh, God, what am I going to do? And if you listen to the Sanballats of this world, you'll never, ever finish the work. But that wasn't just Sanballat. Listen to this, number verse three. And Tobiah the Ammonite, who was um, at his uh, at his side, said, "What they are building? Why, if even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones." This is Tobiah. You know, it's just in the in the midst of ridicule and everything else if a fox climbs up on it everything that you do everything that you build hey john you're out of you're out of disney world you're out of hollywood you don't have anything and all this little stuff that you're doing on the hagman report or anything else it just is it's going to be nothing why even if a fox crawls up there you're going to just you're just it's all going to fall down everything that you do you're not going to finish this work you can't do it and and verse 4 says, and hear us, now this is the way that Nehemiah reacted to these enemies from without, and you better expect them because they're going to come, and they're going to do everything they can to stop the work. And verse 4, it says, hear us, O our God, for we are despised. You know, that's a good prayer. By the way, that's Nehemiah praying this prayer. In the midst of this ridicule, you and I, we're, we're going to have to do this. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Let me tell you something. Get your eyes off the horizontal and get them onto the get them onto the real God there and do this. Verse six. So we rebuilt the wall until all of it reached half its height. 
for the people worked with all their heart. You know, halfway. Halfway is always the hardest, I think. You get halfway through something, and uh, and you look at it, and you're going, man. Uh, you know, when you when you're beginning the journey, it's so exciting. I can't wait to get there. You begin on the vacation. But then, then you get the kids in the back seat and say, Dad, are we there yet? Are we there yet? They're just driving you nuts because you're not even halfway. Sometimes when you get halfway in the work and you've really started, that's when it's most discouraging. Can I ever get this thing finished? Is it worthwhile? And then you've got Tobiah who's, who's mocking you. Why, if a fox climbed up on those walls, hey, well, he would just tumble them down. And, and you guys are nothing. There's no way that you can get this done. That would be sand ballot. So they get that wall rebuilt to half its height. And now verse 7, it says, But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They weren't just angry. Now they were really angry because now they were really afraid. These, these people were accomplishing something, and so they were going to do everything they could to discourage them from doing it. You want to do something in Dallas? You really want to help and see hundreds of people set free? You want to see them really be shining lights for the Lord? There ain't no way. You should see those people. They, they, there's no way that anybody could do anything with them. You know, I got a verse for them in uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 26 and twenty through 29 but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong he chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that were not to nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before him God uses broken things God uses fearful men you say, what do you mean fearful men? I fear the Lord. I get my eyes on Him. And when I'm afraid, and when I've got my, those butterflies flying around, I just t let God make them fly in formation. And I'm going to live with those butterflies. And one of, the, one of these times, they're going to stop flying around because they're going to be in formation. And they're going to do damage to the enemy's kingdom. And we're going to rebuild that wall. We're going to rebuild that wall because we care about more than just ourselves. We care about the people that are going to be within these walls. And, and we're going to provide a refuge for them. Yes, we are. For the weak. And so, and so, as they saw everything being closed, the gaps closed, the gates restored, they got very angry. Verse 8 of chapter 4 says they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to stir up trouble against it. But we pray to our God. You don't have to win every argument with everybody that comes against you. Pray to your God. Trust Him in this. He will do better at fixing these things than you will. But we pray to our God. And we set a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild. That's where halfway is. We can't get this done. That's where they need a leader. My people will perish without a vision. We have to have a leader that will cast the vision that this can be done. And, Almighty, and the eye of faith sees this. And our leaders have to have eyes of faith that see what God is doing doing. And when I see what he's doing, I'm going to engage myself in the same activity, and I'm going to work in his power, and I'm going to be cooking in the oil of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to 
I'm going to burn, but I'm not going to be burned up. And, and, and this is just the, the truth that drives us on, because we're operating on the grace of Almighty God. And so the strengths, the, the strength of the laborers was giving out, and, and they were just about to say, hey, we can't go on. And also, in verse 11, it says, And also our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them, and we will kill them and put an end to the work. And then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. All right, you've got it from the inside. And your brothers and sisters, the Jews, they're gonna, it's going to come apart, and we're going to attack you. You get the discouragement from your so-called friends. You get the threats of the enemy who's being a terror for you. And, and, and you also hit your own wall. And you're just about ready to give it up. You know, the halfway through the marathon race, you hit that wall. You've got to run through that. That's where it says, come on, come on, take heart, my soul. We're going to run. We're going to finish this race. So here's what Nehemiah did, and this is what we must do, and then I'm going to close. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families. You know what? We fight with families. I always bring my kids, my wife, all of them out to the battle wherever we have a battle. If we're in the city hall, if we're out at the abortion mill, if we're wherever we are, if we're at the gay pride events, I've got we're with families. We go to the gates at the mosque, wherever it is, we're going by families. I want those kids and my grandkids to see um, grandpa and, and their dad standing strong for the Lord, because that's going to get passed to the future, the generations that are coming behind us. I see, I'm not living for me, but I'm living for them. I just want to die well. That's what I want. I'm not going to accomplish everything. I can't, and I can't get into the next generation, but that those that have come from the womb of faith, our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren will follow Jesus and get further up and further into the kingdom than we ever went. So I take them to the exposed places. They'll say, well, isn't it dangerous for you to bring your kids out here into the streets where, you know, people sometimes are spitting at you and they're throwing stuff at you and they're saying all sorts of bad words, doing all sorts of bad things. But listen, they're safer with mom and dad and, the, and their brothers and sisters in the Lord than they are left home alone with, uh, you know, some of these ridiculous telephone shows or television shows that are on and playing these stupid games that they play, this trivial pursuit that just steals the life out of them. They're a lot better off and safer with us, even though it's a dangerous place, even though it's a, an exposed place. They're safer with mom and dad than they are left home alone with all of these other things that that they can get involved in. So we take them to the exposed places, posting them. This is verse 13 of chapter 4. And, and we're posting them uh, by families with their swords and spears and bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid. Look at that command. Don't be afraid. Not an ask, a command. Don't be afraid. You're going to see it all the way through the Bible. All the way through. God does not give a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Second Timothy, Second Timothy chapter one. Don't be afraid of them. Remember. How am I not going to be afraid? Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. 
And I'm going to leave it right there. Fight! Come on! Church of the living God, rise up! Don't be afraid! Die to your dreams! Face your fear! And then live powerfully for the God who saved you for a reason. And then when everything seems to be falling apart, pedal! Don't stop! Just pedal! He'll get you through one way or the other. And with that, I bet you find a do. And John, you've got a Nehemiah moment. What is it? Yeah, listen, uh, everyone that can hear my voice right now, just, just ask yourself this, okay? Do you have one hand on the trowel and another on the sword? Or do you just have both hands on the trowel? You know, are you swinging mud day in, day out, waiting for payday? You know, waiting for uh, the weekend? Or do you have one hand on that trowel? There's work to be done. And another on a sword, you know? Seriously. It's, uh, there's a fight coming, folks. And, uh, Flip, God bless you, man. Um, to be honest with you, I got tears rolling down my cheeks right now. Doug? Well, that's certainly amazing. And, you know, sometimes you just have to know when to be quiet and step out of the way and let the spirit work through the guests and the speakers. And that's exactly what we did. And I just want to say, uh, Reverend Benham, thank you so much for your, your, um, passion and your preaching and your teachings and your inspiration because we really need it. Cause you know, we're, we're all beat up and, uh, uh, it's just one of those things. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you, brother. All right. Yeah, you brought it tonight, Flip. Thank you. Amen. Reverend Benham, we'll, we'll, we're going to be honored to share the stage with you in Dallas. I'm so looking forward to that. Thank you, yeah. fellas. All right. God bless hey, you. Hey, listen, sir. Uh, Flip and Joe, I'll call you both tomorrow, okay? All right, brother. You take care All of right. yourself. Thanks, John. I will. Thank you. All right. Yeah, you know, what a, what a, what a, what an inspired program, I really think, um, when, when you really get down to it. You know, we all have this, and I, and I see this, as we talk about the current events, as we look at things that are taking place, the, um, oh, the 19, uh, you know, the trillion dollars in the hole that America is, and, and, and the wars and rumors of wars, you look out, and anyone who's awake, you look out over the landscape, and you say, man, you know, we're in a lot of trouble. Now, of course, those blissfully unaware, well, you know, you're going to think everything is fine. And if that's, if that's you, or, well, if that we wouldn't be you because you wouldn't be listening to this program, but, but you know, even the fighters, even the people who are in the, in the, in the battle, even the people who are building the walls and, and fighting off the forces and calling the, even, it, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what position you're playing, as long as you're playing a position, you're going to get weary. You're going to get down. You are going to get discouraged. You're going to get anxious sometimes, perhaps, or, or even have an element of fear because it, it's just, it's human. We're humans. But, but you know, we, we, we're smart enough. We're intelligent enough. We're inspired enough. We're, we know who we can turn to and who to listen to in those times of our personal need. And I, and, that, that's that's all we're saying as we as we enter into this this darkness and we started out the program by saying you know it's kind of a dark foreboding uh what's on the horizon but 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 uh reverend brown said yeah you know, quit looking at the horizon quit looking at the storm clouds and look up and uh so, you know get, get inspiration from above and that's exactly what 
I, that's a message. That's my takeaway from all this, and I think Joe, you'd agree with that. But uh, yeah, I mean, we yeah. all have our our days where things seem off. Sometimes we have days sure. where, um, you know, it could be directly or inadvertently, yet yeah, that you pick up an attitude from somebody else and, and carry that off, or one little, um, you know, issue or or very simple problem you run into uh you know it's like running into a brick wall and, and <laughs> you just lose it um and, 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 and if you if you're not man I, I would question if you're over the target or doing the right thing you know if you don't get that discouraged sometimes yeah and uh, even just on a personal day-to-day thing you know in in the car on the way to to work um getting stuck at a red light uh, you know for a long period of time and sitting there complaining, you know, what the heck is this about? Why am I, you know, what's with this waiting? Why am I constantly, you know, running into these, um, these problems? And, um, oh, I'm always waiting at this light and just looking at everything in a negative aspect when in reality, and the Lord does put it in your minds, does put it in your hearts that, if you can look at it in a negative aspect, then you can also look at it as a, in a positive aspect. Instead of worrying about the time that you're wasting at the red light, you can use the time that you're sitting at the red light to pray or exactly. to uh, ponder things uh, of the Lord or that you have not yet. I mean, um, just like with technology and, and uh, so much of what we see today that can be used for good or evil, we can choose to use the the times in our life, no matter our attitudes, for good or evil. Are we going to feed into the evil, or are we going to decide to use them for good? Yeah, there you go. Now, now folks, uh, this week we've got a, just a tremendous lineup of shows for you planned. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be analyzing a lot of um, what we see, kind of a, a triage of current events. Tomorrow, first two hours, Standale, the third hour, Wednesday, Anthony Patch talking about CERN. Thursday, doc, Dr. Michael Lake. And, um, yeah, we okay. have, uh, yeah, Stan tomorrow. Yep. Um, well, I, I just Anthony went over, Patch Wednesday, Wednesday Doctor Michael, Doctor Michael Thursday, Lake Thursday, and then the Friday. Do- go ahead. We're open the following week, Monday. We have Russ Dizdar. Yes, Stan oh. on Tuesday, uh, Jerry Robinson on Wednesday. He's uh, follow the money, and on Thursday, Pastor Paul Begley, and then we'll be on Pastor Paul Begley's show f- the following Friday, the eighteenth. Absolutely. Now, now, tomorrow, some of the things we're going to be getting into, of course, is the New Hampshire voting process. Just to explain what's going on, I say all bets are off. When we look at this, you know, you think we know, everyone thinks they know uh, about uh, who's going to be the candidate, perhaps, for the Republican or Democratic side. You don't know, because the machinations of the evil ones are still not finished. Uh, you've got news, economic news, where the oh, yeah. European, uh, well, Iran, you know, uh, selling the U.S. dollars. Uh, a US sell-off. Dollars. European banks yep. selling yep. off, leading to ominous conclusions. Um Yes, economic news is uh, dismal. The markets over there are. They're talking uh, about negative tanking. interest rates here too. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, but, but but the Fed may not have the legal authority to do that as they did in in the uh, in Europe and such. So the question is, what will be the remedy 
you know when they're looking for that negative interest rate also the the on the on the war footing you got Russia just foaming at them or Russia and and Turkey and uh the entire geopolitical arena here um just in I mean everyone's foaming at the mouth wanting war and I do believe Joe and I would I would urge everyone to take a look at this and consider this I do believe when you talk about the uh, global power elite, the fact that we had this this planetary alignment, where where the the messenger planet comes in, Mercury the messenger planet, and and and, and we have the five planetary alignment. I, I, it doesn't matter what we believe; it matters what they believe. In the final analysis, and our analysis, I I do believe that we are seeing the kickoff, or at least a a hinge bookmark in time, hinge moment in time, where the uh, powers that are behind the scenes are orchestrating messages to the people saying get ready because here it comes um yeah you know it, it, and the inv- alien invasion the six hundred thousand plus um in california getting operator driver's licenses uh the schools that are flooded with with aliens and foreign nationals the um uh, i mean where do you start and where do you stop it's certainly enough to talk about that's for sure I gotta. I just. I just have a really interesting feeling about how things are going to be playing out in, in the racial front as well. Um, I do believe Absolutely. that we'll see that. Um, yeah, there are uh, fire up uh, so much. To, there are so many issues and so many avenues to look at. Obviously, our first and foremost uh, point of of interest and necessity is our spiritual walk with the Lord, and. Uh, to ask him each and every day to guide us uh, in accomplishing what his will for us is and lining ourselves up with that will uh, will put us in the position to be able to not only continue to build our spiritual relationship with him but possibly help others in their uh, spiritual journey with the Lord um, yeah, you must always John keep said, that you know, um, you know about taking the plank out of your own eye uh, before you know, pointing out some the plank in someone else's eye, we are always fighting battles, whether it's abortion or or whatever it is in the public arena that is completely unbiblical. But at the same time, as much as we fight those battles, we have to fight our daily battles with our own human nature and spirituality, and we have to um, let the Lord work in our life. Because there's nothing we can do with our own hands and our own work to change ourselves for Him. We only have to allow Him to change us for His purposes. And so often we waste countless amounts of energy trying to save ourselves, to better ourselves with our own work when we never can do that to begin with nor will it uh, yield any fruit on behalf of our point man for program operations from the south jd ronda our director of management director and manager of communications from the north on behalf of our producer and director of studio operations eric the tech and all here at the hagman hagman studios thank you for joining us and being a valued member of our listening audience may god richly bless each one of you until next time god bless we have left the building